Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to my podcast, Internet Bliss. This is Julian Lionel. And we have the second part of my conversation with Joy Osilio talking about The Dark Knight, in which we just kind of continue on talking about Christopher Nolan and um, superhero films and the current state of them in terms of how they are affecting cinema and cinema as a whole. We also get into some speculation about Joker and how it's uh, differences in DC as a whole on how it seems like they're shifting in terms of how they're making and marketing in movies versus their competitor classically in comics uh, Marvel but how this has also kind of become part of a, a, a bigger studio type war between Warner Brothers and Disney and I hope you enjoy. I'd like to thank my Patreons for supporting me and help funding me getting equipment and stuff for the show. Um, you can find me at patreon.com slash Julian Lytle. Um, you can find me on all social media, Julian Lytle, L-Y-T-L-E is how you spell my last name. Uh, my playlist for summer is up on Apple Music. Spotify and title. You can search my name. You should be able to find me. Link should be in the show notes, Twitter, and all over the place. Okay. I think that's about it. Now I'm going to do a long intro. Hope you have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever it may be. I'll let you soon. Peace. we should go over because i'm like again i'm all we're all over the place this conversation but i hope hope people are enjoying it so far but uh like i'm trying to not miss anything because there's a whole bunch of footage i'm like oh this i want to talk about this um i guess we could go through like the key scenes of the movie and like kind of like if you want to because like i mean we've touched on a couple um but like there's one thing too i always find like people you know people people will quote how you know tarantino will make references to other movies movies but the funny thing is like I find it weird how nobody caught any of the ones in this one. Maybe because the the references are a little more obscure. But like one thing I always loved in this movie, and it's I've never heard it pointed out by anybody else, is the fact that there's a there's a huge reference to the Infernal Affairs um, trilogy of movies, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. those those movies are fun. But they actually got Edison Chen from the movies to make a cameo appearance, leading the group of um, like leading the group of cops into the building. Um, to apprehend you. And it's like, oh, it was like kind of a little nod, like, oh, this is happening like in the Infernal Affairs universe. <laughs> Yo, I never got that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you see, yeah, it keeps, seen keep on school, keep schooling me because I just never, like, my brain, like, I never put that together. Like, damn. Well, I guess it's not as obvious a reference. Like, you have to know, but I'm like, why would you get Edison Chen, who's a big star over there? Like, he doesn't need to do, do stuff. Like, no. why would you get him to come and do this one little sequence in the movie unless you were clearly making it? You watch the scene, too, if you've seen Infernal Affairs. Like, I think he took over, what, and, like, he became the leader in, like, the third of those movies? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. 
Okay. But like, if you've seen Infernal Affairs, there's clearly a lot of similarities here between those movies and this one too. Um, and again, I, I, people know The Departed, which is a remake of the original Infernal Affairs, but like real people know Infernal Affairs is like the real thing. Yeah, uh, Infernal Affairs is like next level. <laughs> Infernal Affairs is like almost Michael Mann level good. As like, you know, it's pretty off there. Um, but like – I remember when I was in the theater, I was went nuts about that. I'm like, holy shit! It's like it's it for like they're saying like, oh, this is like imagine in Infernal Affairs, like one day Batman just showed up one day <laughs> in the universe. Like that's what it is. Like it's like this is like another day. Edison Chen is leading his force of cops, and now Batman is fucking showing up. This, this it's like this, totally makes sense. It totally works. There's this American just as a bat. He's in China. For so- <laughs> That's the thing that's really awesome about that scene too. Is like you see the expression on their faces and stuff, and they're like, "What the fuck is it? It looks like a demon, literally, like 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 a, like a creature came." Because like they don't know what the fuck Batman is. Like it's like people forget. Like in that universe, like Batman is still kind of like even within Gotham, it's still it's still a little bit of urban legend status. It's not like you know there, there's some photo photos of him quick, but like he's still like. There's still debate as to what he is or if he even exists. And like outside of Gotham, I don't think people know who Batman is. No idea what that is. Yeah. yeah, And like there haven't been a whole bunch of vigilant. Superman doesn't. That's what I'm saying. That's the reason why I don't love like superhero teams and shit because I always feel like it devalues the original heroes. Because it's like, well, if Superman exists in this world, why is this such a big deal if there's a guy in a cape running around? Like it's like that's not people would be like yeah there's literal gods flying above us like it would yeah, be kind yeah, of yeah, hard yeah. to like but so I was like I was like I always loved in this that like there's no it's like I I always feel it they're made better because they're not coexisting with other heroes so this really is like an isolated thing nobody has ever done anything like this before and it's like so the people of Gotham like are of two minds on the, like you know like. Oh, you know, people like, oh, he claimed the city, and some people probably still don't think he even exists. They think he's a creation of the police or something, you know. He's something to keep order, or there's people that have, dealt, you know, seen him in real life. You know, so it's like, there's still a debate as to this guy's real, and the rest of the United States probably has no idea about this guy. He's just, oh, crazy fucking Gotham or whatever. Who cares what goes on over there? Like, I think, too, like, I live in fucking New York. If some guy started running around as a vigilante in New York, it probably wouldn't even make, like, new. It wouldn't be that. Like, he'd be like, all right, it's a guy out there, whatever. Who cares? Like, people, and I always think Gotham is a city like that. It's just going about its day. It's crazy shit that's happening all the time. Uh, but this thing is obviously taking hold. But it's like, you think, like, in Japan or China, like, they know about the Batman? Nope. No. And they haven't had any precedent. Nothing like that's happened. So it's like the idea that like they're in their fucking bill. They're in a fucking probably one of the like a huge corporation, obviously, like a huge building. They're like they're untouchable. This guy comes flying through the fucking window, <laughs> like beats the shit out of cops, beats the shit out of everybody there, and then takes this guy and absconds to the sky with him. <laughs> in a, in a like, plane. You imagine, and I thought they did perfectly well. Hell, like a regular person would see that. That's what they would be like. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Now that you're watching like Infernal Affairs and like that happens, like now it's a Batman character in that universe. And like, I thought it was really cool. Cause I'm like, it, obviously it was, a, it was a nice little ode to that franchise being like, yeah. okay, we took some inspiration from that, but it's a really cool, like extended like, Infernal Affairs, extended universe sequence in which <laughs> yeah, Batman exists in the Infernal Affairs universe. And here is his first appearance. <laughs> See, look at what they, look what they missed out on when they didn't make a movie with Joseph Gore-Levitt's right Batman. He could have went to Hong Kong and took down the <laughs> took down the crops in the kid. God damn like it! That, that's a reference. I'm always surprised you didn't get that one. Yo, you grew up on your Hong Kong cinema. No, like, like as re- I really just I just saw them. Like even if I remember the actor when I first saw it, 
I just like, oh, he got a like he got a job. Like I didn't even, I didn't put two to two together. Like, well, I think even if you see the um, like he has a vest on. I think yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Um, it has the PD unit from the movie. I think on it. Too. Okay, yeah, I was just like. Oh man, these cops are gonna get punished. That's that's the only time I was like, you know, they, you know, Batman's crazy. He's shooting gum and stuff, and they explode. The scene is just so. In the IMAX, it's just everything. Also, is going that's on. the early like, scene. I mean, we talk about the global uh, market. This was a. Uh, you know, like why that scene. Well, I people always said too, like that scene doesn't make like it doesn't need to be in the movie. I'm like, yes, it does because it it demonstrates that like you said, Batman has no borders. Yeah, like he'll pollute the world if he has to. Like he's not gonna stop. Like nothing's gonna stop him. And also, it's an it's the only the only time. Like again, you've never actually seen like Batman fucking fly in a movie before, and it's like it's fucking glorious. And that's I just saw the IMAX again. I'm still like I'm still like in awe of that whole sequence. Um, like it's real. They did it. Yeah, he's he flying. jumped off. He's flying around. <laughs> goes through the window. And like it's so Batman the animated series too, and how it stays, like how he breaks it. Like it just seems like a scene right out of the show. Um, and um, but also like that scene came to be because um, Nolan was so interested in IMAX, and the biggest IMAX theater was in um, China. Was in Hong China. Kong. In Hong Kong, like that area. And they apparently – they'd been showing movies there for a couple of years. Like even over here, like they would up upscale stuff for here. Like I remember like Beowulf and like Transformers I think were like yeah. IMAX releases in the States the year before. Apparently there was a whole market there already. Like 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 obviously the, people were already looking at the global market already back then. Um, but it was seen as like a, a long shot. Um, but they were the first place. I think they still have the biggest IMAX screen and Nolan had looked in and said like, okay, maybe like we could get maybe cause I mean, they, his proposal of this movie of shooting, even just a handful of sequences that they shot was kind of like daring. Like nobody had ever done that before. Like it's pretty nuts to think like when they shot the bank heist, they had no idea how that was going to look. It could have looked like garbage. Um, cause they had, nobody had ever done it before. And they weren't sure about how to, you know, adjust the lighting and this and that. Like, will it work? So it was a total long shot. The fact that, like, I think had they, that's why I think they shot that first separately. Because had that, had that sucked, had it not they worked. They could redo the whole thing. No, they, there would have been no IMAX component to the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would have just shot that and done the rest of the movie. So they were banking on that working and did it fucking work ever. You know, like, it's like one of the best sequences I've ever seen in a movie. So you see that. And I guess apparently they were looking to see, like, okay, could this play in other territories? And he was like, okay, well, this IMAX is big over here. Why don't we have a big release, like an IMAX? We'll, we'll try to tie in release with like, you know, we'll, we'll reach out to the government, see what they want. And they said, okay, they, they would give them those facilities. And like, that's when he requested Edison Chen for that scene was because of that. And they figured, oh, that'll play to this global audience a little bit better when we play there. Because like, they were really looking, I even look at the global audience. They were looking, got to play really well in America, but they wanted to play there really well to demonstrate the technology of IMAX. And they figured if this first movie played in the place where IMAX is doing better than anywhere else, like let's throw that audience a little bone. And like, they, they, they'll, they'll hope that. And I think it did well over there. It didn't do like, it didn't do like gangbusters, but like the States, it did gang, it did better in the States than anywhere else. Made more money here. Like that's what's nuts. Majority of that billion dollars was made all in the american United yeah yeah because it did okay and it like I, mean, I think like begins did better and i think rise rises actually did better in the rest of the world than it did here so it's interesting like what plays better in different places um but like i like you watch begins and begins i think does feel a little bit like in like a british movie it does feel like it clearly feels like um it's classier you know it's got like kind of a thing like, it feels like it feels in tune with like a british director making an american property it, it feels, feels very like 
Yeah, yeah, it's got that to it. It's very, um, it's very. Uh, I mean, there's big set pieces and stuff, but it's very, um, it's very one room, very small, like kind of the very like, and it's very classy, very classy picture. Um, and uh, the Dark Knight though feels fucking American shit. Like you know, it's like that's an American fucking story. Like if there ever was one, yeah. And like it's no surprise that that one played here better than it really resonated here than it did any, than it did anywhere else. Um, and when you look at like rises, I think actually played better in countries that had gone through like communist revolutions that didn't go very well. So they they really related to that story because <laughs> they're like we know police. exactly what yeah, this yeah, like, yeah. you know. Where in the states, people just couldn't get over the fact that, like, oh, you know, like they, like you know, like, they just couldn't get over certain elements. But I'm like, it played better in the rest of the world. Like, I remember reading the interviews, people like they were in tears watching that movie because it was so close to like events they had experienced, where like people would come in saying they were going to like make everything equal, and then just like took everything away, and like you know started like like when they see the tanks rolling down the streets. So, like that's like you can't write that movie off completely. I think it, there is shit in it that's really interesting and fascinating that I haven't seen tackled in any mainstream movie but it doesn't have that it doesn't resonate it doesn't sing like the fucking yeah. dark knight sing <laughs> like the dark knight the fuck- yeah there's a little thing that's off about it and it's just like dang but it's still damn good like it's something like when you see somebody to put in like an a plus paper and then like the next time they hit you with that b they give you one that's like b's like damn this is good but yo you you hit us with the a plus last time like oh man well, I think uh, Brady Stanellis had said it pretty well. Cause he he said he says the Dark Knight is the key movie of like the two thousands. I don't think he's wrong either. Um, like yeah, I think I it's the movie. It might not, you could argue if it's the best or not, but I think it's the movie like that decade had to contend with. Like I think it, and since then I think it's the thing that's been you know everything every movie since then has kind of had to answer to in some way. So I don't think he's wrong about that. I think it, it changed things dramatically, and I think it's it's set a high watermark. So it's like with Rises, it was like. You know, not only is that movie contending with with a very good predecessor, but it kind of was the key movie of its era. So, how do you make a sequel to that? It's like, so um, well, considering it did a pretty good job. Damn, it's like Michael Jackson albums. Yes, it's like so, you know, like Thriller. Like Bad is fantastic, but it ain't, it ain't Thriller. thriller. <laughs> <laughs> like wow, yeah. Even like, like, yeah, like a Prince. It's like you know when you put out like a. I mean, Prince has released a shit ton of great music, but like you know, it always comes back to Purple Rain. That's like, the one it's, that it's one of those it. things where like the fucking. It's one of those rare moments where like the stars just align the right way. And it's like, and somebody's like operating like at the top of their game. And it's like, yeah, it's like they might have released a shit ton of X1 stuff, stuff you might even argue is better. But it's like, it wasn't that moment though. It's hard to <laughs> capture that moment. It's like, nah, I don't know, man. You had to be there. Okay? It was like, that was a moment, dude. And you can't get that moment again. Um, but the Dark Knight's definitely that. Like, it just was one of those things where, like, on paper, I don't know if this thing would have worked, like, in any other time period. Like, if you'd said, like, uh, even on paper, like, it'd be like, yeah, this is risky, man. I don't know if this is going to work, but it fucking worked. Like, it, it worked. I don't know. Like I said, like, the, like I said, just look at the fact that, like, majority, like, how much money that that pulled in just from the United States without inflated tickets. Uh, and it's like, and I'm not saying that just because something was successful, it's a mark of quality. But you do have to look at, like, okay, something this, like, weird and idiosyncratic hit people that much, it had to do something right. Well, yeah. Also, when we talk about movies now, people, you have to say to the fact that they're charging twenty dollars for movie tickets for certain types of screens. And huh, dude, go to like New York City. It's that much just to see like a regular. Movie. Nah, but yeah. So like down here, like an IMAX or a Dolby, a Dolby Cinema, 
like movie is is twenty dollars, right? But like at that point in time, like even when I went to go see the IMAX the IMAX Dark Knight in the Smithsonian. It, it was only, like 14 bucks or something. It hit me for like 12, I think, because, you know, yeah. it's a Smithsonian, you know, they can't hit us over the head because but you, you probably know, got museum entry, too. On top yeah, of yeah, you know, you walk to the museum for free. <laughs> like the museum is free. So you just go in there, you pay for your ticket, you go in there, you see the movie. But it's like back then, there was only a couple different. There was a matinee ticket, a kid ticket, a senior citizen <laughs> ticket and yeah. regular you know military ticket, too. That's like, yeah, that's- yeah. But now there's like. There's the 3D release. There's the digital version. There's the regular version. There's uh. That's another thing too. Like all these prices have skyrocketed beyond belief. Like I don't think anyone would have predicted. Like oh my, like someone would even pay this much money to see a movie. Like would have been nuts. Like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. But like the actual quality of the what we're seeing has gone way downhill. And again, I'm be on my soapbox again about 35 millimeter, but I'm just saying like back in 2008, like 99% of the theaters were still projecting films. So like you were paying like you were paying like people didn't know what they lost. I think there like and again, I got a broken record on this. No, nah, man, it's, it's sitting down. We watching TV like, yeah, you're watching yeah. TV in public. I'm like, here's the thing where people make the big deal about what people shoot in. I don't. I'm not a big stickler because I treat like artists. Like you can't say that a painter, like a, a painter isn't making art just because they use acrylics over oil. Right. Like I don't care if a person got the super duper red cameras about what they do, but I have to say this, the fact that when I go into a but movie you certainly theater, wouldn't be, you certainly would want people to have the option. I always want people up. to have the option. Yeah. So, when, okay. I, okay. We agree there. Okay. When, when I go to the movie theater, <laughs> And it's basically I'm watching fucking Netflix because there's times when they have mistakes and I can tell like, oh, they got to reboot the computer or especially with screenings, right? Screenings. Yeah, man, they fuck up all the time because they got to, you know, they have the movie file and they got to get, you know, the the password. um, You see like the desktop on the screen. (laughs) When I see a fucking Windows shit, I'm like, why the fuck didn't you give us all screeners? Why am I out here? This movie's going to be trash. I got to go to work tomorrow. I get like it gets mad. It's like you guys don't even you guys like the movie theater is becoming way like I was, I watched Crazy Rich Asians, my friend, and there were parts in the movie where I could tell something happened with the bandwidth because the resolution of the movie degraded uh, while we were watching. Was that a screening or was that like a regular? No, that was a regular. Show? I paid for it, so oh, I'm like, that's... "What the fuck am I sitting here for?" And this shit is working just like my Netflix account when I have a random hiccup in my router. Dude, y'all don't even have a file on a computer no more. Like, you ain't just you ain't got a download. Ah, yes. So I agree with you. The quality in which we watch cinema is completely, completely lessened compared to seeing a nice thirty-five millimeter or even that good seven seventy millimeter MyMax print, and you hear that fucking the fucking projector. Oh my goodness. Oh man. My bad. I got on that thing. Right. <laughs> like, oh my god! I just hey, any any way to shit on the current uh, state of theatrical exhibition? I'm not gonna get in your way. <laughs> oh my god! Like it though. I was like, why is her face is the blurry? People that are like, I don't notice the difference. I'm like, then you're stupid. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> 
are people trying to tell me like I don't know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, yeah, sure. no, yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no. Like I, I want people to have the ability to shoot on film and everything. I just wish they had the ability to also project in film. And now well, we're losing I mean, that. I mean, I guess some good scale. signs have happened. Like I think, um, like I think the the like uh, what they did with um, well, hatefully. You know, they did a nice job of putting it out there. It didn't make as much money as they probably wanted to, but like yeah. people, enough people went, I think, to kind of see like the difference. Um, and Dunkirk had a really nice run in '70, and like a lot of people were obviously going to the IMAX and or the real IMAX. I'd hope, um, but like I do think, I do think, like there's definitely been a like you know, it's definitely opened a lane a bit, I guess, if people want to do that. Um, it's just depending how much, like, really, like the studios have to get behind it more, and they're not. Um, and uh, and theaters, I guess, have to make the case for it, like that they want to show it. I don't know if a lot of them do. A lot of them like because now they can charge more money to show those, and that they like. Um, but um, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if people realize like what they lost and how quickly they tried to transition. It's like you know, you used to get 35 millimeter was there was no extra charge to show you. You know, I was just the way you saw. That movies. was a movie, yeah. And like you know, a projectionist was an art. It was a whole field. Like you can go into it and like make money and be like you know, it was a it was a calling card. Like I can project film. It was a skill. Uh, and then like they, I mean, within like a year or two, it was like you know, just a specialty thing. Like it kind of went away so fast. I mean, I can tell you, you want, if you want, I think I may have told you before the whole story about how that happened so fast. Um, I think I've told you that before, um, but uh, kind of a really shady shit. But who's, who's shocked at this point? Yeah. <laughs> but um, but like you know, overnight it kind of went away. Like you know, all these projectionists ran them up because they're like, oh, we don't even need to have someone in a room. We'll, we'll set it up on a computer, and then someone just press play at the beginning of the day, and then everything just goes. But as you saw, like I've had more issues since this this um, digital era has started with like movies stopping and starting or being all like, you know, like I never had a fucking problem before. Like I've been to screenings of like old prints that have broken down or something in the middle, but like you understand like, okay, well you're taking a risk. It's like a damaged print or whatever. But like, I'm talking about just like my regular old theater. Like I'm going to see a movie and like, it just, you know, the sound is running and the, the picture went away and I'm like, sorry guys, we got to start all over again. So come back another, it's like, what the fuck? It's like back in the day, you know, went off the hook, you put it back on, you kept going. Keep going. Like you go yeah. back to where it is. It's like, yeah, it's tr- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tr- oh man, it's trash. But um, Wait, let's go back back to the movie though. Yeah, Get back yeah, on top. Yeah. Like other keys. Well, again, like my my two favorite scenes in the movie are um, one is the the introduction of Batman scene. I I just love in the beginning. It really sells that like like when you see that shot of him like after he get like like he just got like fucking like you know like attacked by dogs and like you know ripped thrown off a car flew into like a brick wall and like you see that shot of him just like standing back up again and it's like a really like mythic shot. It's like this is like the Batman man. <laughs> like he's there and then he just like jumps off and descends on that and that that whole sequence I love. And also, you know, I love the fucking Chechen. We haven't talked about the Chechen enough. Richie Coster, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's a, he's like such a good role player. Like if this is basketball, he's like the guy that comes out, you know what I'm saying? Gets a couple assists, pass the ball around, but you need him out there. He's such a good part of that movie. Because <laughs> like, like, yeah, like keep, I almost went to more him, but then I was like, over the time I rewatched it, I was like, nah, he's in it just enough. We have to solve real problem. 
Batman. I was like, it's great. I love that fucking dude. And if you've if you've seen, he's he's great in a lot. He's in a bunch of Michael Mann shit, and uh, and he was on Person of Interest. He's a great great character. I just comes in. I always like him and everything pretty much. Um, but uh, he's great. Um, and like, I think he really gets to have a lot of fun in that sequence with that accent and with like the shitties with the, with the it's, it's, and him playing off a crane and stuff is really good. Um, uh, but that scene I, I love, like that's one of my favorites. And I, my favorite scene in the whole movie though, is the interrogation scene, mm. which I think is one of the best, like, I think that's the scene the movie really wrestles with the whole idea of like the war on terror and, um, kind of being in a post animal because like literally that scene the whole impetus of it is how do you fight something that wants it to want you to kill it and how do you win that battle i guess no answer to that question but like that question is at the core of that scene i guess at the core of the movie is like how do you fight something that wants you to destroy it yeah i also like it because the way he starts out like batman starts with violence and he's like yo that's not how you do a good inter- <laughs> like he starts like he starts breaking down like how he's messing up like I'm like damn it well, also, okay. I think that that's again uh, we haven't we haven't talked a lot about Christian Bale's performance which I think is very underrated I know people fucking make fun of the voice I, I, go fuck yourselves people I'm sorry no he's the best Batman shut up uh, but <laughs> like he's doing a lot of interesting stuff in this movie I haven't really seen pointed out I think this scene is like his best scene because He's playing this scene as the little boy who just saw his parents get killed. Watch yeah. his eyes during this whole sequence. Um, and you see him, like you said, he starts by and he sits down and he listens to his voice. He changes his voice in the scene and he kind of talks like a little kid a little bit. Like he talks very timidly and he's like, you know, why do you want to kill me? Like, you know, he's just very like – and you watch his eyes. It's like a heartbreaking performance. And I think it's kind of – you know, again, he's in a bat suit and stuff. So maybe like people aren't paying attention. But just watch how he plays that scene and then watch when he switches. Um, and like, cause you see him talking to Joker and he's like really listening. Like he's really trying to understand this guy. Cause up until this point, none of the things he's tried to do have worked. Um, and then he gets personal with him and he lets him get personal. With him. That was a mistake. And then, like you say, you see when he fucking throw, like, and it's like the punches in that scene, like when he fucking punches him and it's like, it literally, when you hear like bones crunching and shit in that scene, it's, it's so the sound mix on this movie is still insane. Um, but like you see that scene and you can see it in his face like this doesn't compute like I'm punching this guy and nothing like he's laughing at me like and, and like that there's a scene in there. And like I think it's where Heath – I think it's one of his best moments in the movie is like when he just starts laughing at him. Like there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. It's all your strength. There's nothing. And you can tell in that movie like that moment. Look at his face. He is so angry and he doesn't have any idea how to deal like he's done every that's the moment like he's gone to the edge yep like and he's just he's switching between being a kid for a minute and then being like this fucking like you know angry psychopath and he doesn't know nothing is working with this guy and like that's i think and then that course leads to the fucking you know the key you know yeah. Uh, key scene where a lot of death happens and, yeah, you know yeah, that, yeah. Bomb, but it's like yeah. that's the moment like that's the moment that movie turns that's like okay this isn't a normal superhero movie anymore this is not a normal villain performance like this really is something else and i think like it's the fact that i think the key question 
And so that's a key question in the movie. I guess it was the key question on people's minds at the time. Because, I mean, we were how many years into Iraq and, like, all this stuff? And, like, already how many people died? Like, it seemed like no solutions were in sight. We were in the seven years into the war on terror. But you saw people – that was really a moment where you really saw people really start to question this stuff, like, out loud. Yep. And be like, yeah, I don't think this is right. And, like, that's – Obama was running for president. He was talking a lot about – you know, ending the wars. He didn't do that. But I'm just saying it was, it was a nice intention at the time. But I'm just saying, like, it was in people's brains. And then you see, and you were like, we're going to take this conflict and trans and, and transpose it onto the two, two of the biggest, like, cultural icons of all time, Batman and the Joker. And, like, I think that's where you get the movie, where this movie hit people in a certain way. Because it was like, you know, like, the movie's really t- saying something real. Like, this is not just some, like, joke. It's like, no, like, there is a scene here, and we don't have any answers for you. And like I, you know, but it's like, but the, it made you, th- it made you think about that. It's like, yeah, like I hadn't thought about it that way before. And this scene, you're seeing, like, okay, he's punching him as hard as he can. It's not doing anything. He's getting a kick out of it. Like he's getting off on it. It's like it's a really thing. Like you, I don't. Do like, you think of any other performance, like a villain, like a superhero, like, up to that point, that was like oh. that first and interesting. Like that was really to me, like, okay, that's where it gets. Like that's where that performance rises to another level to me. Yeah. Isn't that- yeah, I think that's that's. <laughs> I think also we talk about how it changed movies. It changed the entire because to talk about like the awards and like the Oscars, it's like that's the movie that changed everything, changed the rules, and we're still feeling the effects of that to this day. But that, that see that that to me that's one of those scenes. Even the scene before where Joker gets captured, and like he's like, "Hit me, do it." Do it. I want you to shoot do it. it. He's so, shooting yeah. at him like, come at, it. do, do it. Literally, like it just, Batman just turns and falls off the. But it's like that's. <sighs> it really comes down to that. He just wants to prove that Batman is a hypocrite. He wants him to kill him. Yeah. So he broke his rule and this. Like it's like it. That's honestly like I mean that's how like as complex as I'm making his his quest to sound, and it is. It's like that. At the end of the day is really all. That's the joke. He just wants to like laugh at Batman. Yeah, you're a hypocrite too. Look what you did. <laughs> You know, he won't even be alive to enjoy it. But like, that's what it comes down to for him. It's just that, like that little thrill of like make ruining this guy's fucking life. <laughs> yeah, man. I can't go over that too. Like that, the, the secret, the, the truck flip and everything. Mm. Like that's still just as I still haven't seen anything that's equal. That they flipped the truck. Yeah, <laughs> they flipped the truck. Like <laughs> <In> real life. <laughs> Well, this is a good point. We could talk about this because this is another hotly contended thing about this film and a lot of Nolan's films is they say like, he doesn't know how to edit a scene. Like there's no um, – like he's – like like they're um, – the scenes are incoherent. Like there's no – like you don't know what's going on and this and that. I personally think that that's a choice. Like I don't think that he doesn't know how to do it. I think that's – He's trying to get an effect out of you. It's done more out of – if you watch this whole movie – I've seen Kick It, you've seen The Shining before, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we know The Shining is edited in a way where like a lot of frames are out of order. Mm-hmm. And it's done – and it, it doesn't call attention to itself, but it's a thing where you're watching it and like it kind of sets you – like it kind of it kind of puts you in a weird mindset when you're watching because your brain is kind of sh- is signaling that something isn't right that you're seeing. Um, and it's a tactic. They haven't used it a lot, but I know for a fact that Nolan showed The Shining to his um, like technical crew mm-hmm. before this. Like he showed the cast and crew like Heat and Prince of the City and shit like that. 
but he showed his technical crew like different stuff, like more experimental movies and things like that. Um, and I watched this movie and I'm like, when I, at some point I was watching, I noticed like, oh, he edited this movie like The Shining. Because if you notice, like, all, all, you know, a lot of times frames come in or a little out of order or like the action you're seeing in the frame comes in from the opposite side. It's yeah. a subtle thing throughout the movie, but it's like it's not a mistake. It's like I think he's doing that to put you in a certain mindset to like because like, you wonder, like, there's not any gore really or anything in this movie. But people Zero. talk about it as if like it's a gruesome movie. Like, Super it's violent. It's like, yeah, yeah. But it's like you don't actually see much of the violence. You don't actually – there isn't any gore at all or anything. You don't actually see any of the – I mean horrible things happen to people, but we don't usually see it. Um, and I'm just saying like I think a big reason that is the editing. I think that editing puts you on edge and there's no other superhero movie edited like it. So it's like I think it's another reason that sets it apart. It has a adds a... also also like people are under the impression that the only way to edit a movie is to intend to give clarity the clarity of what you're seeing and I'm like not really like maybe you don't want like maybe you want to lend a level of confusion in the viewer like maybe you want uh you know make maybe you don't want maybe you want to obscure things a little bit so I think that that's also a fallacy when I see people well, point out I think that's also because a lot of people don't have the same cinematic language I think previous generations had like we have a current generation that won't watch movies that's in black and white which is nonsense which is like there's a certain point like i'm old enough that i had a black and white tv so to me there's a point where every movie was black and white (laughs) and like you still watch old movies like like, in my parents we had one tv in my house like when i was a kid and i didn't have a remote oh wow (laughs) and like since i was the youngest kid like i was always told oh you gotta change channel so i had to get i'm like i don't know a lot of people that have that experience like (laughs) we got a right when i was really young yeah but then we got a tv remote and then um you know we got multiple tvs it was only three of us in the house like it was a big tv and then, like, I got, like, a little old black and white TV. It wasn't, like, a board, or what even a brand-new TV. I think it was, like, my aunt's college TV, like, the TV she had when she was in college. So it was, like, instead of throwing it away, like, oh, that's that's going to be my TV. Like, so I watch it, everything in black and white. But I've talked to people, and, like, they don't watch old movies. Sometimes they don't even watch old color movies. Like, they don't watch movies before... Well- they I used were, to think it seemed, uh, it seemed uh, like there was wow. a generation of people that thought there was like no movie before like 1967. But I guess now it's like there wasn't movies before like 1997. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like they don't watch movies before like Back to the Future or some shit. It's just like, all right. Like, so yeah, the whole idea of, and people might think like, oh, I'm being mad judgmental. It's like, no, these are conversations like I've had. It's like, yo, you ain't seen, like you ain't seen, to me, I'm like, yo, you got to see The Godfather. I might be really bold to say, you need to see The Godfather 1 or 2. To me, there's certain movies you need to see that's like part of like American well, culture. I know there's people have debated the idea of like the canon. I don't really agree. I think there's... I don't know, you know about the something... canon, but I just like... There's some movies that's really... I think you should see some good ass movies. <laughs> well, I feel like there's just stuff though. Like if you want to be someone like if you're just someone that just watches things and you're not out there comment, like right, do whatever you want. I don't yeah. really give a shit. But like to me, like if you a want to be an artist in a medium, I think you do owe it to yourself to at least know a little bit about the medium. Um, doesn't mean you have to. I mean, there's been people before that, you know, have made great works of art without knowing like, it's possible. But I'm saying like to me, I always feel like it's better to know more than not. Like I, so I'm like to me, I'm like, I think you owe it to yourself to like, delve into stuff you might not like all of it but i think you'll feel better 
like having a grasp of a visual language through history. But I think if you're – especially if you're a critic, I think it's your job to kind of understand things in the context of history. Um, so if you are completely ignorant of like 40-plus years of movies, like I don't know how much your opinion really means to me because I'm like, well, you don't have – I gotta say you have to reference, you know, an old movie in every post you write, but like you should know I should at least have the feeling that you know what you're talking about. Like when you talk about when you make a proc that's what you hear people today, like, oh, this is the best thing I have ever seen, or the best like you see it constantly with like TV show, like every fucking TV show is rated like ninety-nine percent on like I'm like, yeah, guys, you need to like you know, you need to get out a little bit more. Like not all this stuff is that. No, all not this that new stuff is have, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, it isn't. It's like, and like they, they, you said, there's a complete like ignorance on all this. Stuff. It's like, I get, I get where I also, I understand where people like people are debating like, well, you know, this stuff is only important because some like old motherfucker told me it is. It's like, all right. I don't know. I don't know how much to me. I still feel like you owe it to yourself to at least engage with it. You doesn't mean you have to like it. But like you should at least know why something's important. Like something is important for a reason, and I feel like you have to understand its context and history. And like I think if you want to have a nuanced opinion on a forum, like you don't go like like uh, like if someone's just looking at like you know paintings from a recent artist and they're giving me their view on how it fits into like a, an art history context, but they don't know any art history. Why am I listening to this person? Yep. I mean, I guess there's an example of being like, oh, what does this person think who's an outsider of the medium? I guess that could be interesting. But at my age, I don't know. I'm like, I want to listen to people that know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm off that. Like, like yeah, There are people who do that with comics all the time. Like, I'm going to show, you know, a comic to somebody that doesn't read comics. And I'm like, all right, yeah, that's fine. But after a while, I'm just like, yeah, well, like, if any other medium, like, I wouldn't really give this much weight. Why with this one do people suddenly seem to be like, okay, we have to – I guess I get that. It's like, okay, if someone hasn't come to it, you want like – they should be able to get into it. That's a valid criticism. But like I feel like with movies where things are complete like works of art, like they're a complete story for me, like, like I feel like you should you should at least engage with stuff outside of what you're, you're interested in or what's outside of what's immediately happening. I think it only enriches your point of view personally, but that's what I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I – yeah, so I, yeah, the, the back to the editing is like I think that's you're like they wanted A to B, and that understanding that sometimes things are done to invoke well, certain. I saw this feelings, criticism feelings even from a lot of older critics too. So like I'm not just putting it on like. Uh, yeah, I'm not just saying it's just young yeah. people. I think there's some older. I think people, young people ran with this. And yeah, kind of, I like this shit. This is interesting. I think, <laughs> I think sometimes there's there's older people that feel a way about things like. There's, t- there's it's on both ends. There's people that are younger who don't know enough, and then there's people who are older that think they know it all, or they have their own personal biases. Like, like it doesn't matter what it, like superheroes. Period can't be good. Like you know what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. there's certain genres they feel like oh there's like oh this this can't be good. It's like well no 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 no. There's something great in everything. Like. There's a great fantasy movie. There's a great this movie. There's a great that movie. It could be in a superhero too. So there's there's both ends. And sometimes some of these old guys wasn't catching. They just had a career. They were the dumb young guys at one well, time. That's always that's always <laughs> something that um I look at though. Like sometimes again, like Chris Nolan in particular. Again, like it, it's no shock. Let's say this conversation. Like I'm a very big Christopher Nolan fan, but I'm obviously not. I, I like to think of us as we talk. Like, I clearly um you know. 
have a grasp on the history of film. I'm not like he's not the only director I've ever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, some yeah. people, you're like, oh, it's my favorite, but they don't know anybody else. I'm saying like I think he's one of, if not the most interesting of like the newer crop of directors of the last 20 years. Like he's he's one of the only guys making movies that I go see multiple times that like I can have long conversations with people about. And there's a couple other guys I like, but they're not operating at his level. Um, but like he's a very popular guy to take shots at, especially within the current um, – critical consensus. Um, although I guess people, majority of people, it seemed like Dunkirk a lot that might've like won them back over. I don't know, but he was, especially after this movie, he became a very popular target. Yeah. These arguments, um, where like, I always found like, to me, he's it really interesting. Cause I feel like he's a guy that's got his foot in the old school way of making movies. Like I think he's trying to like update stuff from like the silent film era language and bring it into today. But he's clearly somebody who's engaged enough with new shit that's going on. Um, that he's bringing, I think, a, a, a spin to it to the table. Um, uh, but oh, what the fuck was I going to say? <laughs> We're right in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I had a big point, and then I just suddenly lost what I was going to say. Uh, okay, it was in relation to that. Uh, it was in relation to that. Uh, oh, yeah, this is my point. I said something that makes me feel a little bit better, though, like when I see these, like, quote-unquote, like, top critics being like, oh, he's the worst filmmaker nowadays. And I'm like, oh, then I go back and read, like, what people, what top critics were saying about like Stanley Kubrick when he came out or Alfred Hitchcock, when they were like, this guy is the worst, terrible, doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> like, and they're also pretty much, I think, changing the language of cinema a bit in the way I think Nolan is now. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess like at some point, because they were also very popular filmmakers with like mass audiences, but they were kind of dismissed by a lot of critics, but they, they later got a huge reassessment. Like people don't realize that, that they think people... Yeah. The critics loved Kubrick's critics hated Kubrick. They thought they thought like 2001 was like one of the worst things they'd ever seen. The Shining, I think that was like one of the stupidest movies. Like it was totally pan. Even up to Eyes Wide Shut, you still had people like kind of reserved about like, oh, this guy's I don't think this guy's as good as he say he is. And it's like now it's like that's a ludicrous opinion. The whole you look back, you're like, yeah, these people, yeah, they know what they're talking about. But I'm saying like that kind of gives me pause sometimes where I'm just like, yeah, you know what? Just remember, I think over time, time will tell, and like I think no one will get assessed as like one of the greats of this period. Not that he gives a shit; he's still making a shit ton of money. I don't think he cares. Like I'm saying, like I think there's a lot more value to his work. I think than I think he gets written off very easily because people see things that he does, like little ticks of his, and they're like, "Oh, that's that's enough to write off all his work." Like, oh, it's too much exposition, and you know, he doesn't edit a scene. That's you know, although I don't know, I think like you know. I think Dunkirk was pretty coherent, like, I mean, visually. Like, I don't think there was um, any. I've seen people not get the different jumps in time, but then it's like, come on, like you. But I, I mean, from like a shot to shot basis. Yeah, no, no, yeah, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I think sometimes people just want to be contrarians, but it makes, I really like Dunkirk. Like, I really like what he was doing there. And I think he was making a movie in a year in which, you know, it was an anniversary, so no one really wanted to trash something that really happened. Because I think if he made a movie that wasn't historically based, they would have found a way to diss it. I, I, well, some I, people did anyway. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we're not. But yeah, we're not talking about Dunkirk. We'll another. We'll do that another time. But yeah, I'm just saying. But like, whatever. I'm just using it as an example there. But um, what I was gonna say though was uh, like I think like that particular sh- like I think I think it worked so much because of the way it's edited. Like I don't think if we just suddenly made it a little more visually coherent or whatever. Like the scene would be better. 
I kind of like how fucking I, I don't I like the freneticness of the whole movie. Like I think it's like it kind of exemplifies I cuz you watch that movie like shit is happening so fast. There's not like a lot of moments to really like sit and reflect on anything. And I think that that's purposeful. And it's like I think that that the editing kind of of the movie I think reflects kind of the paranoid feelings of the characters and like how fast they have to react to things. Like, there's not a lot of time to think or process what you're seeing. You're just, it's just kind of hitting you really fast. It's like I think there's actually like a thoughtful reason why it's edited that way. I don't think it's just because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. like, I think that's like a ridiculous thing just to say, but like I'm just saying like I and I think a lot of people though I think it's different than um, because there's a lot of other directors I think that do that. Like they just they just show like there's just so many fast cuts and stuff you can't. I don't know if they're doing it with any purpose. I think they just think it looks cool. I think here it's done with some purpose. You know, yeah. There's there's not much. You know, the editing. I think I'm to the point where with that movie, it's been so ingrained into me. Like I can't even like nothing's reaching out to me because I think I analyzed it too much over the t- over the 10 years. Like, I just think that's how it's supposed to be. I think every cut is in there to make you feel a certain type of way. So when it's disjointed in those times of freneticness and, and, and action and chase, it, it builds up such a bunch of tension even in your mind that you can't, like... That I can't see someone literally saying, "Oh, they're just doing that to do it." Like you know what I'm saying? Like I can't. They don't know how to do it. Yeah, like I can't (laughs) conceive that you didn't know this was all. Most of Chris Nolan's movies aren't edited like this one is, so it's clear that like you know they might be edited like he he does cut a lot and stuff like that's true, but like they're not edited like this one is. So I'm like, there must be a reason why. It's it's not just done for just because they don't know what they're doing. Like, you know, I'm saying like there had to be a reason. And like if you're anyone that's worked in movies, like you got to justify every decision, especially you're working for like Warner Brothers. Like you got to justify every decision that you make. So I'm like, I'm just like there had to be a reason, you know, because it works for me. Honestly, it works for me. Like I've never had an issue with it. And like I just gave you a bunch of explanations as to why I think they are the way. So that's all to me. But like I'm just saying it's a constant thing that gets brought up. And I'm always like, "Ah, it gets overblown, but whatever. Oh, but I'll give you another sequence here um, where there's a great obscure movie reference that maybe you didn't pick up on. Um, the uh, the scene where Gordon is shot at the uh, the mayor's funeral, or oh, mm-hmm. the commissioner's funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a reference to um, several uh, B-horror movies um, associated with the director Larry Cohen. Uh, one is uh, – there's a movie called God Told Me To. Um, Larry Cohen directed, I think in the late seventies, early, yeah, late seventies thing that stars Andy Kaufman. Um, and Andy Kaufman, uh, literally this exact sequence almost happens in this movie. And, and, and the Joker is dressed as Andy Kaufman is in that movie. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that one. I'm glad I learned something today. (laughs) And also there's a similar sequence in a movie Larry Cohen wrote or series of movies Larry Cohen wrote that I'm a big fan of called Maniac Cop. Uh, and oh, I know also, a little Maniac Cop. Maniac yeah, Cop is kind of crazy. Too. Maniac Cop Two. <laughs> Maniac Cop Two is almost like the Dark Knight of its time. Right? Maniac but, uh, Cop is yeah. whoa. That movie's that's a wild ass. But like, movie. watch those sequences. There's a bunch of sequences, and it looks they look it does look like they took some visual inspiration for that. I'm assuming since there's a Cohen reference there, that can't be coincidental um but like again that's a pretty like i mean you got to know that you have to watch that you know, I, I get like but i'm like I, that's kind of fascinating because like i would rewatch that movie and noticed it and i'm like holy shit that has to be it 
why like, of course the joker would make a nod to andy, andy kaufman, kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> yep that, that's one i'm trying to think there's a couple other well there's clearly like you know in that in the in the, the in the chase sequence with the truck there's clearly there's like references to like walter hills the driver and um you know um there's, at the beginning is a little re- there's some references to like sort of Sidney the mets like um uh prince the, the sequence at the end um like the whole the whole sequence um where Two-Face has Gordon's family is very reminiscent of the, one of the end scenes in the movie Prince of the City, which I know they did show people beforehand. Obviously, people have made all the heat comparisons. A of course. Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, there's a couple. There's probably a few more, though, but there's some I've noticed over the year. But like, I've never seen anybody point these out. Is it just that they don't – they're not looking for them or they just don't – they wouldn't be aware of these of these they're things. not like, aware because it's not blatant again like what we said earlier with even uh, the Shane one i never hear people with, with logan how he basically had to tell you like hey guys it's Shane. It's Shane. Like- <laughs> but i always thought that worked for that movie because when you read the comic of old man logan they basically sold it was like hey it's easy rider and unforgiving with wolverine so it's just like when they did the shane thing i'm like good job of actually making the apparent that you're just using this basic structure for this movie, just like the comic book used a basic structure and was very open about what it's doing with using the Wolverine character. But if a movie doesn't have the, like, this, also this the movie, Joker, I've got the Joker references, uh, Jerry Maguire as well. And, uh, you complete me. Yeah. <laughs> Bruh, <that's, laughs> it's all jokes. The whole, well, he's here's, the whole the, here's a question. I think you probably fall on the same side of the fence as me on this, but I am just curious. I'll just pose you a query here. Um, do you like, I've seen this written a lot about the movie, especially in this like 10 year reevaluation where people are saying like, they don't, they find this movie like responsible for like, you know, like the like 4chan and things like all this kind of like dangerous meme culture or whatever. Like they kind of view the Joker as like the impetus in this movie for why that stuff exists. Whereas like to me, I'm like, I don't think the movie's responsible for it, but I think the movie was pointing out that like this is on the horizon. Like this is going to be closer to reality. This could be closer to reality than you think. Um, Because I mean, they do have stuff in the movie like that kind of predates like meme culture as we know it. Like when the Joker... Uh, kills the the um the you know the 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 imposter Batman, like it's literally mm. a living meme. He has the Eminem lyrics on yep. the fucking card and shit. Like, and it's like it's funny, but it's like fucking dark. And you look at shit like this week, like there was a whole bunch. You know, every time there's some new thing, like a whole like the Nike ad, and everyone's doing their like meme about how much more offensive can I make? It's still out. It's always been there. I mean, I don't know if it existed in the same way back then as it does now, obviously. But I mean, there was sites, there was sites like something awful and things. I remember that used to like do kind of things like that. But I'm saying like, do you think the movie has some responsibility to that? Or do you think it's just like, no, it just kind of presaged something that was coming? No, like, no, like, I also think that technically, like everything that the Joker does in that movie, I've seen in a previous version of Joker. So it's nothing to me is like. Yeah, they're just adding it to like a connective thematic. Or even seeing it in like in a different lens. Like him on TV with the with the fake Batman. He's like, wait, I love when he goes, look at me. I love it. <laughs> like, oh, like I love that part. But like, how is it any different from Jack Nicholson selling uh you know, brand X? Like, 
Brand X on television. Well, I think they would say like, okay, well, there's like a little more, like it's a humorous thing or whatever. Like they're talking about like, like they're seeing people like take the Joker's words to heart in real life and like do horrible things. I, I think guess is what they're pointing I, out. I think that that's giving the people a little too much credit. I think for that, I don't think anybody is uh, approached Joker level with any of this stuff. But I mean, obviously, it is an info. But I'm saying like. It's two things. It's a like we actually live in a world with a lot of fucking hypocrites in it, and there's a lot of things to point out. Like I can't put that on the movie. Like that people no. are just happen to come to that on their own in real life. But I'm like, to me, I'm like, it makes the movie more powerful because I'm like, oh, I'm actually kind of seeing something like this in real life happening, and yeah. it's like, okay. And, and to me, I'm like, that just makes the movie's commentary more powerful, especially since this didn't really exist at the time. Yeah, like at this point, like, are we going to blame Back to the Future Two for for our current president? Like, I'm not. Like, I'm not. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, did we find out like twenty, twenty some odd, twenty five years, thirty years later that like, oh yeah, uh, Dark Future Biff is based off of Donald Trump? Like, okay, like, I'm not going to say like they knew that Trump was going to be president, like. People go a little bit too far. I do think there's there was trends already happening online and in the comedy and in just the way our society was working that fed that version of Joker. But like this, I almost I think I like every version of Joker. I even like um Jared Leto's Joker because I see something no, else in that. I like all versions of Joker. I like all versions of Joker because I think they all in a weird way is is they're all commenting in different ways about our society. That's an entirely different conversation. Like, I do think I don't begrudge. Like, I think Suicide. I don't think Suicide Squad is a good movie, but I don't think it's the movie. I I think that that movie had a lot of shit going on against it that people don't really know about or care to, you know, care to, um, uh, you know, investigate further. It's just easy to just shit on it because it's in the DC universe or whatever. But I'm just saying that, like, I I I'm with you in that because I remember you made an argument that, like, oh no, it's actually like. Like you, people don't understand the culture that they're kind of like putting the Joker in. I'll agree with you. I'm not against people reinterpreting the character. I just don't like Jared Leto. I didn't like his performance, and like I was just, oh, I yeah, just wish fine. they had left. I just wish they had just left the Joker alone personally. You know, like, hey, I just, I, I think I, this was like sacred ground. The fact they jumped back on it so quickly with such a yeah a weird you know, choice. I was like, I don't know. And you can have Harley without the Joker. I think like, you just have the Joker as some. You could, you could have worked around it. You need to actually have him in it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm always more open because I'm like, like the Joaquin Phoenix movie. Like, okay, like show me the movie. Like I'm not, I, until the movie comes out, I don't care. Like, well, there's a funny story with that movie. That movie was never a Joker movie. It was, a, it was, it was a, it was a, initially. I think it started as a, a G.G. Allen biopic i think mm, they turned um, <laughs> they kind of just they were like basically nobody would fund it and then basically somebody one of the producers that was it was just like oh you know maybe if we pitch this as like within these like superhero things they'll they'll buy it and that's exactly what happened <laughs> and now we have a joker origin <laughs> that <laughs> That sounds that that sounds crazy. Well, it's true. I mean, Todd, the first um, because you're wondering like, why is Todd Phillips making this? Yeah, well, Todd Phillips, the first film Todd Phillips ever made was a documentary about Gigi Allen called Hated, 
probably still his best movie. Um, and um, I guess he's been trying to make like a, like a movie about that. I think it was going to be a little more abstract, kind of like how they did the Bob Dylan, I'm not there uh, yeah. movie or sort of. Um, and it was going to, and they were going to take shit he did in real life, like even further. And I think that's how it lent itself to be like, Oh, this guy could be like the Joker before he was a Joker. And like, that's how they kind of sold it. So I don't even know if you're actually going to see him as the Joker in the movie at any point either. You, I, um, I'm so expecting it to end. Like yeah, the end of the movie. But, I mean, we'll see. That's why I'm a little more like, although I I think if you give the Joker an origin, like you don't understand the character, but I understand like this is like a one and done standalone. It's not going to be, I'm like, whatever. I'm not going to hate. I, I still wish it didn't exist, but I'm like, I understand. I know how hard it is to get a movie sold these days. And if you want a budget where you can actually like eat dinner at night, like I understand like why people do the things they do. But I'm like, that's if you want to know why that movie exists and like because it seemed like a strange thing, right? You're like, where the fuck did this thing come from? Um, There's your answer. (laughs) Well, and don't ask me how I know all these things. (laughs) You know, hopefully, hopefully like in the coming months. When this comes out, it's like, you know, this is supposed to be a GG. I was like, where'd you hear this from? Oh, this is this podcast called 80 Minute Bliss. And uh, the guests on there just dropped that little bit of knowledge. Yeah. But nah, it's a. Uh, yeah, man, I'm just open to Jokers. Like, I'm just open. I'm open to different Batman. Like, that's, that's where I got to the point. I was like, Dark Knight was good enough for me. That people can a either not make another Batman movie again, or they could just make a whole bunch of different ones, and I won't care. Like I got my my piece of cinematic history Batman movie. Like this is it. Like if I put in a time capsule for people, and like how you um you say it, like this is like a movie for the two thousands. Like I don't like other than maybe like a Lord of the Rings movie. This is the only other movie from the 2000s I would put like in a like time capsule. Be like, all right, two towers, Dark Knight, and then move on to the next decade. You know what I'm saying? Like, keep it moving. Like that's it. Like, yeah. Like I don't. I don't I'm a, I'm almost tapped out. I don't know if I got anything else to say. Like I'm trying to think. I'm trying to get to like a couple because I'm like uh, usually when I say something, you'll you'll spring back up into action. Like if I pick the right <laughs> topic. Uh, but uh, I'm just trying to go through other other scenes in the movie that I was just like, okay, this is kind of like a, cause we went through, we went through a bunch of the key ones, but even like the whole scene, like it's kind of interesting, like the scene with, um, like where Dent and Rachel are tied up. It is interesting how like that in itself is a duality. Like it is these two things and there are two sides of the coin and one of them burns. And then there's like literally he gets his coin back and it's burned yeah. on one side. Like even like the, the, the rule of twos like follows a lot in this movie too. Like that's another thing. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, trying to think of what else. Um, well, there's a lot. They talk about like a silent influence. I don't know if you ever heard of um, like the the Doctor Mabuzi, Fritz Lang's movies from the um, uh, from the 30s and 40s. I have. I just haven't seen many of them. Well, they're they're they were um the, the big. If you go back to those, you'll see like oh that was a clear, clear influence on the Joker in these movies because uh, in that in those movies like that he's like um. He's kind of like a um, – he's not a figure like you ever really see. Like he speaks through a home, but he controls all these um, – like all these calamities that fall people. It's very, very similar. Um, and, and Mabuzi was – if interesting is Fritz Lang – people who don't know Fritz Lang is, he's probably – he was a German expressionist director 
Uh, he fled Nazi Germany, came to the States and wound up making a bunch of like film noir stuff here in the, uh, the late thirties, all the way up to, um, the late fifties, then went back to Germany and made a couple more movies or whatever. And then he kind of just left Hollywood. You've, if you ever seen, um, Jean-Luc Godard's contempt, he plays himself in that movie as a director. It's really great. If you're going to get a chance to check it out. Um, but he was kind of like a Chris Nolan of his day and that he, um, he was very highly praised kind of when he came out and then he kind of people, he kind of started dealing in subjects that were people felt maybe were beneath a director. And the funny thing is the thing that really put him on the map other than Metropolis uh, was Mabuzi and Mabuzi was basically like the comic book equivalent of, of, of like, of like the Joker bad at the time. Cause um, it was basically a pulp novel. Okay. And when he decided he was going to um, – he was going to adapt this. First, he did uh, Dr. Mabuzi the Gambler in the 20s and it was um, – that was back when movies – they didn't even make – there's only a handful of feature films. Most films were done as uh, serials. Yeah. Um, so that's actually done as a serial. If you watch – it's like almost like four hours long if you watch the whole thing together. Um, but it's something it's, – it's more fascinating just to go back and be like, yeah, there's like scenes that kind of are like, you know, like the Dark Knight in this, like, you know, where things blow up. <laughs> like, you know, you know, it's like, oh, it's kind of interesting and like he's kind of an interesting villain. But then he made probably the magnus opus of that. He made um, the testament – of uh, Dr. Mabuse in the mid thirties, like right as the, the rise of Nazism is going on. It's kind of a veiled commentary on that. Um, but it's interesting how he was also told basically like, you can't go and make like people criticize him heavily for dealing in pulp subjects, claiming that like, you're never going to make anything of real art or value out of those things. So why do you bother with them? And then Mabuse kind of came out like the dark Knight, and it kind of changed the perception of a lot of that material. You started seeing people dipping into that stuff a little bit more. Um, and, uh, comic books themselves weren't quite what they, they kind of came out, uh, at least superheroes really kind of came to a forefront after that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the idea of just taking stuff from pulpy material and kind of turning it into, uh, elevating it, I guess. Turning low brow to high brow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like that really starts with that. And the fact like I Nolan's a huge uh, Fritz Lang fan um, and um, uh, Metropolis particularly is a big influence on um, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, but the uh, but he loves these Mabuzi movies. And apparently he um, he even back as begins, he was he was trying to cut in little influences of this. But um, I guess when they got this and they got the Joker, he made his brother jo- uh, Jonah like watch all these movies and be like, that's what we're going to do for this. Um, so like you'll notice there's little references to um, particularly the second Mabuzi movie in this movie a lot. Um, and the way Joker operates and executes his plans, almost like a ghost, is very owed to that uh, movie. And their connection to it – I guess we could – I mean to talk – we didn't actually talk about how this movie used its comic book influences I think better than many other examples. Like it actually pulled – like actual things from stories and like, it wasn't just like a vague kind of, Oh yeah, we got the character and yeah, this yeah, like, yeah. They, make, they make specific references, but it never weighs down like the, it never weighs down the movie. It's never, it's never tied to one particular interpretation or anything, but it definitely, they definitely did their fucking research. Like it's definitely like, Oh, these guys actually read comics. Yeah. They, he's they, got read they, some they, they, Batman, yeah. like for serious, yeah. for real, for real. Like. Um, but like, uh, you, you, they, apparently, they said they found a connection with the very first appearance of the Joker in Batman number one. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's it's yeah. a great comic, actually. Um, and if you look at the Joker in that one, 
um, you could definitely see like that was a big a big influence on how they approached him in this movie. Um, he wasn't like a like you know he wasn't uh, an over the top gags. Or, if you watch that first period of the Joker, he's really much more like silent and calculating. Um, and it's it's pretty it's pretty it's a pretty interesting to see what they took from that and uh, what like like there's a little the jail scene where he breaks out of the jail is um is it, there's a version of that in that first comic. Um, I think in that he has a, he put a bo- explosive in his tooth. I think was I think how he got out of that one. But there's this literally the scene where he's standing in the jail cell, and it's very similar to what they actually used in the movie. Um, uh, but yeah, in terms of like um, that's 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 a, that's a yeah. If you want to do your Fritz Lang homework, I think I gave you plenty of uh, <laughs> plenty no. of material there. Um, but uh, the comic book influence I think are inf- interesting because they're they're many. Like people obviously point to Year One and and Dark Knight Returns and Long Halloween, and those are very obvious influences. There's a lot of good um, Dark Victory in there too. There's some good Dark yeah, Victory. Little, stuff yeah, in a little there. Dark Victory. Uh, there's, there's, uh, clearly, I think the best. To me, I think the best interpretation of the Killing Joke, I think, is in this. Um, that actually kind of got the got the book, I think, better than most people did. I think actually maybe even improves on it a little bit, and that it doesn't. Um, um, it doesn't. Uh, uh, basically, the joke. The joke is like it kind of has its cake and eat it too, because actually, like the city didn't succumb to it, but like somebody actually did. Like the experiment actually did work on somebody. Yeah. It's like, you know, so that's, you know, it didn't work on Gore. It didn't, but like it did work on somebody. So it's like, it does show like it's not the same for So it, it, that, that's kind of an interesting twist on it. But um, there's, there's other kind of like, I, I also, I thought the, the, the book actually in some way, like in the movie actually takes a lot from uh, Arkham Asylum, um, especially the whole set piece at the end uh, with the, with Batman trying to get to the Joker is very similar to actually to Arkham Asylum, especially to even have him fighting out like, you know, like the villains in the in the um in the in the white coats and like you know freeing the all that stuff is very Arkham Asylum, um and like and then that was basically a, a journey through like the psyche of Batman. It's kind of interesting how that played out in that sequence. I thought that was a clear influence and and some of the some of the Joker stuff in there I think is, is evident in Ledger's performance. Um, there's a couple. Well, even the one that we talk about a lot, but I thought it was interesting. It, it might not be a. It's not a direct influence because it was going on at the same time. But I'm always fascinated by how much Grant Morrison's run on Batman and this have in common. It seems like they were telling the exact same story, just very in very different ways. It does. It seems like they were also pulling from some of the same references, especially like the '70s, the Batman. '70s Batman with the with Wayne Tower and the base of the tower and Alfred and. You know, like there's a lot of stuff going on there with the ro- the romance. The romance feels more like late seventies Batman, uh, Two Face. Even Joker being a, being not much of a threat at that point in time was like because you know the sixties everybody was kind of goofy. Well, yeah, and the Joker's five way revenge. Yeah, that, yo, so, yeah, you know that that's clearly Super even hard. even the opening scene. The fact that it's like a five way thing between the criminals and like that movie, like in that comic, he was like he was he going back to people that had wronged him and killing yep. them. Like, and so it's interesting how that's the opening of the movie is basically that comic story just happening within a couple of like he doesn't even need that kind of he, just, he they don't even know he's there. He's just knocking them all out one by one. Um, even that scene I always thought was a nice arrival of like I like the fact that all the other criminals talked like old like 30s and 40s gangsters and stuff like that. So good. And uh, like how it was kind of an arrival. This is like a different thing. Like like he's literally knocking out all preconceptions of like what this story is going to be like in the opening. And then it was like you thought this was a manager too. Yeah. yeah. Like an old like a gangster. Do you know who this is? Who runs this bank? 
So, Who hired you? You know, you have to like say it's like, yeah. It's like, you know, he takes the mask off. It's just like, oh, that's it. It's a wrap. Everything changes from this moment on. But there's probably oh, more I'm probably trying to think of. But like, it, it lot, just, it, uh, well, even like this shit, like, but it has all those. Like, I think Batman Begins is the best, like, Batman movie. Like, if you want Batman shit, like, that's the best movie. Um, but this is, like, the best film, I think, with Batman in it. Yeah. Um, but it still has so much of the shit. Like, if you were a Batman fan, like, there was always, like, these scenes in your head, like, I want to see that in a movie one day. And one of them is always, like, when Bruce Wayne just, like, knocks out that fucking criminal, takes his gun, like, takes it apart. And I'm like, that's Batman. <laughs> that's comic fucking Batman right there, man. Like, you know, there's, there's shit in this movie. Even, like, the fucking, like, when the, the, the bat pod pops out of the fucking um, the tumbler and yeah, shit. I'm like, that's some Batman <laughs> shit right there, man. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Like, because you hear that, like, oh, it's, it's a good crime movie. It's not a good Batman. Now, fuck you. You know what you're fucking Like, talking. hold on. Joker has Joker goons. Like, Yes, exactly. Like he has goons, and it's like, well, these are all the people from the uh, what do they call the um, the area from where Crane, the narrows, to get the narrows. So it's like all the people got messed up with the narrows, the people that everyone like forgot about and didn't care about. He made him. They made he made them his crew. It's like yo, he is a gang. Well, now they're also. I think I think it's interesting too because people say there's not a lot of visual similarity between these three movies, but I think that's actually a strength. Yeah. Is it like in Begins they were dealing in like the poorest areas of Gotham? That's what the whole movie was about. In this movie, like you said, he's taking like the forgotten, you know, like the forgotten elements of that part of Gotham and bringing them into like the nice, rich, clean area, and like that's where he does all his damage. Is there. Yeah, he doesn't attack the, the poor. Reason people. why the movie looks different, it's like because we're in a different part of Gotham. Like this isn't this isn't the fucking crime alley. This is like the clean alley. You know, we're coming up here, and like now we're gonna bring that shit here and see how these people can handle it. Like you know, because it's like you know, things haven't actually gotten that much better, as as everyone's saying. Like that's a whole underlying thing in the movie. So when like this people, this stuff is confronted, being confronted every day. Let's see how they handle that. And the third movie, I think, is a is an extension and that they they basically built where they you know they cleaned up a whole. I mean, they, the the world it's very it's even cleaner. But the I guess there but then like Bane comes from the sewers and like that's gonna it's got that kind of same visual motif I think as well. But I'm saying like I think there's a reason I kind of like how they visually look pretty distinct from one another. I because also to me it reminds you of the way, like. It's, it comes from a, a superhero comic. So the city actually doesn't always look the same or feel the same. Like, there's no, like, DC might say they have a map of Gotham in their, like, you know, their library or whatever, but people just make it all up. Like, there's some streets that you know you got to have in there, like, well, you got to have Crime Alley and with the movie theater. And Wayne Manor has to be there somewhere, and Wayne Tower, and the rest will just make up as it goes along, like as the story fits. So when the first movie it looks like New York, and the second movie looks like Chicago, I'm like, okay, they well they both look like giant 20th century urban centers, like. Well- that was a criticism of Begins because they showed a map of Gotham in it and people are like, you should never do that. But like, I always feel like in these movies, it does feel kind of endless because you yeah. just keep going and going. It never seems like it ends. Like they never really definitively say how big it is or like what's where it is. Like, And you can't 
like you said, from movie to movie, it's hard to know where you are. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think like that's like you said, I think that's a comic book thing. I think that that's like honoring that thing of like, well, Gotham is just endless. It just keeps going. Yeah. It's not like when you watch a movie about New York and then you see something and he's like, yo, you shot that in Jersey. You shot that in Toronto. Stop playing with me. Like, like, <laughs> like, like when the Hulk fought the abomination in Harlem, it's just like, that's not that's that's toronto that's canada bro like <laughs> we know how this, is the whitest, this is the whitest harlem i've ever seen ever <laughs> like we know how this all looks like what's going on a lot of maple leaves in this harlem <laughs> it's real it's real it's real clean looking what's going on when did they do that but yeah man uh, it's just like that it has a lot of good it also has a lot of feeling like to me it's like I used to get into debates after it came out at the comic shop and some people was like that's not the Joker that's not that's not Joker I'm like wait wait, wait, wait like okay pin down Joker and they'll, they'll try to say something I'm like that but that's not the Joker Graham Morrison writes that's not the Joker Alan Moore wrote that's not the Joker Chuck Dixon wrote like that's not the Joker Blah blah blah. Like he, Frank Miller. Like they, like Joker's. Like, well, I think Jack Nicholson did a better Joker. It's like, no, like that was that felt like a seventies Joker. So what you're saying is you like the Joker of the late seventies. And then they try to get back. I was like, you're not disproving my point right now because they they chose different influences. I never never agreed with though. People said like, oh, like the Joker in this is like no other version. It's like Mm. I think the performance is like no other. But I think this is a pretty honorable version of the Joker. I think it Mm. honors pretty much majority of all the interpretations of the character. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, it's a little not like it's a little. There's even a little like Caesar Romero in there. There's a little bit of um, like oh my god, pretty much any comic version you mentioned, like I could find some point in which it relates to that. Um, I think it feels it feel he feels a lot more like I think like Morrison's to me. He does. Um, um, and that's including Arkham and including what he was doing. Well, I know like that's a comic Heath Ledger actually read was that um, uh, remember that really weird issue that was like done computer that came out early in the run Mm -hmm. the Morrison run. Apparently, that was one of the things he read. Like they sent him that comic. And he and he did that Joker journal. You could see him mm. quote stuff from it in there. Mm. So like that was apparently a primer for how he approached the character. Drove him crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember like when he died, that was the thing. It was like Jack. They say Jack Nicholson told him, like, don't go too deep. It'll drive you crazy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I was like, 28 year old Julian was like, oh, is that his fault? He got too messy. You can't get too messy with the Joker. It's too powerful. <laughs> Oh really? You know, had not like he was already yeah. well be like he had yeah. already well moved on from the movie at that point. He was he was doing something like people. I I, yeah. but I know it's the romantic notion that this guy threw himself into this so much that he killed himself. I know, but it's right? not right really here. the truth. But yeah, it's still sad. I still that's one of those like I never like I I still don't find any like humor in it. Like, you know, people want to make jokes. I'm like, I don't know. That one still bothers me to this day. I'm still always just like that. You know, I wasn't even like a huge fan of him as an actor or anything. Before. I wasn't a, not a fan. Yeah. But there was just something with this performance that like, like I knew it was going to be special from like, the, I was an early, I remember like when it was announced, like how many people were like, it's going to be fucking awful. Oh yeah. And I was like, like I, yes. <laughs> I was a believer from the second. I'm like, no, that that's what, cause people had all these choices they wanted of the Joker and they were all like, Terrible. yeah, the most obvious. Yeah. Um, 
that's the thing too. It's interesting looking back at who was up for like what roles now. Like, could you imagine the movie? Like, I know like who are the guy, the guys. I remember like the people. Who are the people that the the Joe that were up for the Joker were being? Well, no, apparently no one was ever up for the Joker. I don't think. I think it was given a ledger like right away. Um, but uh, a bunch of people wanted the role, and you know they didn't announce it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm trying to remember like who the people. Who do people think like? What did the fans think was like the person they should pick? People always kept on bringing up um, Crispin Glover. I know, Crispin Glover, all the goddamn just because he had just that hairstyle. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yo, why we keep talking about freaking Marty McFly's dad so much? Like, oh, okay. All right. Like, yeah. Like, t- to me, like, yeah, even when all, I was a kid. Bet- all Bettany was Bet- one Nene, I remember. Yeah, was yeah. around. There was this guy that was in one of the Matrix movies that everyone thought was, like, the front runner, Like, Lackey Hume or something like that. And I'm like, he ain't going to be a fucking nope. joke. Like, I don't mean to bust it to you guys. It ain't going to be him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Roll too big. Um... And I'm trying to. I, those are the. I remember D- Dent was the one. Like everybody in town, like in Hollywood, was gunning for that Dent role, which is so funny considering. Like you would think. Like it was because I remember it was like. Um, what's that one? There was an act. There was a bunch of actors that did like independent campaigns to try to get that role. I don't remember that, but it's um, funny how it went to Aaron Eckhart because he was hot off of Thank You for Smoking. Well, Aaron Eckhart was not the first. Like he was a last minute show. The guy who was, who pretty much had the role. But had to turn it down due to commitments was Matt Damon. Mm, I'm glad. I'm glad he wasn't dead. I think he could have done a good job. I think he did. He done a great job. But I kind of like started, Aaron. You know, you know yeah. we know who he is. Like Aaron Eckhart, even though I knew him as an actor and stuff, like he wasn't. I think he could be that character a little more than somebody that you're well aware of. Because I know like Ed Norton was someone they were going after for a while. Like, I'm sure he would have done a great job, but he brings a lot of baggage. I think to a, to a performance. Like I think, yeah. like you people, people have their interpretations of who they think Ed Norton is. So it's very hard to kind of just you know believe like whatever it is. I'm sure he would have done a great job, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, I'm kind of happy. I'm kind of happy it, it went to. I, I know the other guy, the guys that they really, like, who was the guy? Yeah, jo- I think Josh Lucas was a guy that was like he had a, he had a whole campaign he wanted to be that mm-hmm. role so bad. I know Joaquin Phoenix was somebody they went after for a minute. He would have been interesting. He would have been interesting, and um. Who's the dude that played uh, Sabretooth in the newer? Steve Schreiber. Yeah, he was. He was second. Yeah, yeah. He was oh, like. Yeah, he was like been great. Between him and Matt Damon, then <laughs> Matt Damon was like going to take it, and then he had to turn it down because I think they were shooting a Born or something like over, or uh, something was going over schedule, and like he, I know he had to turn that movie down. He had to turn Milk down. He was going to do both of those like, back to back, um, which mm-hmm. is hilarious considering like you know the guy who like I get because it was uh, what's his name played his part. Sean Penn. Wait, he was wait. He was playing no, he Harvey. Wasn't play milk. He, he was, was playing the guy. Play the, oh, it went to Josh Brolin. Yeah, and he got Oscar nominated for mm. that, right? And mm. then it was like, um, and then you're like, you kind of figure if Matt Damon was, it, it was like, all right, like Heath Ledger obviously was getting the nomination, but you kind of figure if Matt Damon had played Dent, he probably would have got a nomination too, just because they they tend, you know, he's a bigger name, like people add a lot more to it. Um, and he maybe his star power was maybe enough that he could have competed a little bit there. But it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, the movie he like wind up having to do, I think was like the least well-received of all those, mm-hmm. of all those four. And, and like, he missed out on like two pretty like juicy roles as a result of that. Um, but yeah, he was, a, he was a guy, th- th- those were pretty much what I remember were the people that were up for those roles. Um, I'm sure there was more people like trying to throw their name in the mix. Um, I know, 
I know there was a lot. Of talk. I don't know if there's any truth to this. I do know like there was a lot of talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman, like uh, having a role in it. And I think they were saying like, oh, maybe he'll be the penguin or whatever. But yeah, I know people kept talking about him being like having a cameo. But as, like he was a guy. Yeah, he was a guy apparently that they did talk to about something at some point. So that's not total bullshit. I don't know if yeah. he. It would have been cool if he was the penguin. I, I kind of wish he was in like the third one, just like a look at. You know, like, like, we got some, just, yeah. we just so we could cover a couple more villains we didn't get to see or whatever. Um, because it was great to be the way they use Cillian Murphy in each movie. I was like, oh, like, oh, yeah, the Scarecrow's here. Like, this is, this is dope. Like, I've, and that was a point where it's like, I've never seen it done that way because you never knew he was, he was going to be in the other movies until you're sitting down watching the movies. Like, oh, well, that's in the way it was here. Because you never saw a superhero <laughs> movie at all where the villain came back in any capacity. Yeah. They either got killed or you just never heard of him again. So the fact that like he lived on was like a little like nod to like, okay, this is like there's a there's a universe happening outside of what we see here. Like there's still life is still moving on. I'm very Terrence Malick kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. It's showing like there is like kind of like um there's a bigger world here. There's like but you think like there's a shot in the Dark Knight that I'm still in awe of. Um, of the scene where like the but the whole problem the thing with the boats are happening, there's this wide shot of the city with like a million extras. Have you, you know the shot I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Like that shot, it just adds so much. Just like, yeah, that, I mean, you know how long that was to take had to set the take. Oh my God. Just for this shot you see for like two seconds, but it just, it, it adds so much to it. And just like, there's a lot, that's thing too. I think that there's so much, uh, I think people tend to think, oh, because they shot on location, like there was no work that went into like the look of the film and the production design. I don't agree with that. I think there's always stuff going on like in the background of shots and things that like it just adds to the idea that this was like a real world where people were living their lives in the midst of all this chaos. Um, and like I always appreciate I always appreciated that. I haven't seen that in a lot of other Especially nowadays, well, I haven't seen many of them, so I don't know. But like, you don't see, you don't see a lot of like the world going. And they, this is really movie, where, really only movie where they tackled like Gotham kind of as a character. They had like, a lot of good that um, have speaking roles, and like you know, they were important yeah. to the story. Like the the, the uh, press conference scene, they had a lot of good scenes where you saw the people of Gotham that weren't named characters. Like even the thing when they visited, uh, when Lucius visits. Uh, basically, the Chinese guy, the, the the guy who's hiding the money. There's like all the people wow. just walking around. Yeah, Lao. My brain always used to call him the, the calculator because everybody would just like, oh, he's basically the calculator. Well, I think but, that's kind of what they. That was kind of the way they did things. I, I know people. You know, you had a lot of character. Like, uh, you know, I know a lot of people thinking. Um, Coleman Reese was like a version of the Riddler and stuff. I don't know about that, no. but I do think they did take characters like, oh, this guy could be that guy. Like, this is the guy in this. Like, yeah, I think definitely Shin Han is like the calculator of this universe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, they're like, we don't really need to like these guys in in this world. Like, that's how easily these people like would have been dealt with. They wouldn't even had a time to come up with a costume or like that's no it. Man, he just gets yeah. burned in a pile of money because the Joker is like, I don't have time for this clown. Like, you just throw, you know, this I'm the only guy. Like, if a Joker exists, like no other villains are really gonna get a foothold. And like yeah. that's a pretty like yeah I'm like yeah, that's probably pretty true. <laughs> I don't think the Joker has time for like the Riddler or anybody else. And like and the Scarecrow can exist, but he's just a low level crime guy. Yeah, he's like, around, he's, but it's he's like... around. And like the mob exists, but it's not quite. Um, you know, you know, we'll see what the if the Joker actually got a foothold in this kid, he just would do away with him. He's not going to coexist with any of these motherfuckers. Which is comic book thematic. Like that's how it works. Like in Batman comics, you know, once the supervillains hit. 
the mob ain't there anymore. Like no one, you know, they sometimes always bring back like a mob like character, but then they also get replaced by like the black mask or like there is no mob characters in Batman at a certain point. Like that's, that's I think another thing in which they use the, uh, the comics. Well, in that movie, it does feel like year one, long Halloween, dark victory, even the man who laughs from a uh, brewbaker, like, Yo, when the Joker hit the scene, it's also, it's also like a lot of other like old like I know like the the, the, the comics, uh, yeah. Like, there's a there's a was that kind of uh, Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, like the Man yeah. Who Falls. I know that was a big influence in in Begins, and like there's little stuff too, like the fact they have like Zaz and stuff in there in the first movie. It's just like some kind, you know, like it was just showing like you know, yeah. I, I and that bothers people because they want every character to have like a movie for it. Like, you know, they want a Zaz movie. It's like, well, they're never going to make the Zaz movie because yeah. he's a fucking guy who rapes and murders women. And then cars like, like that's it. You're not getting that movie. <laughs> this is the closest you're ever going to get to something like that. You're not, they're not making seven with that. It's not happening. They, I'm shocked. They made this. It's like, you know, like this is like, <laughs> it's like, you know, the fact Zaz at least gets to be a background character in a movie and he has a speaking line and shit. It's like, that's pretty cool. Like no one else is going to do that. And the fact like we can be like, Oh yeah, that guy's kind of like the calculator. And like, they did a version of Robin and like they did a ver- like It's like, Oh cool. At least it's cool. Like, all right. So clearly like there's a world here and like, maybe like some of the villains we know of existed and like Batman did away with them in the first year we didn't see like i kind of like that i know people don't like that either they feel like there should have been a movie in between i like the fact that like i don't want to see when batman is fucking killing it like i don't want to see where every week he's just locking the guy up i want to see him when he's challenged like that's what's interesting to me yeah we've seen um, all the I'm, batman like, if winning if i'm reading a comic yeah sure if it's just an issue yeah cool a little caper you know and that's it or whatever but like i'm watching a movie like there better there better be some stakes here. Something better happen. I better not just be him being like, oh, we put him in jail, and that was it. like like that's not that exciting to me anyway. But it seems like today the tide is turning. Like people want that. They want like the fucking, you know, everyday minutia. I guess of the characters a little bit more than like the great. Or maybe I'm wrong. I'm not watching all these movies. Maybe that's not what they're doing. But it sounds at least like with the Marvel, like the thing people get off about it is that it keeps going, and like you could tell like kind of minor stories about characters and that's a movie um or am i wrong i don't know um from what i could tell like all the stories just build up to well they're either origin stories because you know like all right they did the first origins and then like you get to like well you know they have to now they have to people tell forget, like people forget like you know batman begins big influence on the on the mcu stuff yeah when it's like Iron Man is just Batman Begins. They basically took the script and just crossed out Batman and cut out all the cool scenes <laughs> and added some jokes, and that's the fucking movie. But like from what I've from what I've from what I've gathered, so like Ant Man is just telling the origin story of Ant Man. It's just that he's really it's really is it's one of the only movies that actually feels like the director who directed it because it's Paul Feig or whatever. Like. Oh, no, oh, no, it's, no, it's, it's not Paul. Um, it's Adam McKay. It's, uh, it's Adam McKay. No, Adam McKay, he did a script polish. It's, um, shit. Whatever. It's a guy, it's, Peyton Reed. Peyton Reed. Yeah, whatever. It, it feels yes, like man. his movie. Like, <laughs> it, it feels like his movie. So it's like, all right. Um, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't really, I actually hate that movie. But in the end. But I can, I can, I didn't see it, but I can at least look and be like, it seems like that one's at least a little more idiosyncratic than some of these other ones. It doesn't, to me, it makes zero sense. But, no, it can make zero sense, but it's clearly like, all right, the guy who made this, it does feel a little more personal than these other Marvel movies. 
Yeah, Doesn't mean it's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. It, That's it, more what it, I mean. it feels like him. But in the in the end, it just seems like they're gonna show another infinity gem. Because it basically it was it was all for for the most part, they're all some type of setup to get you to Thanos. So it's like and then Captain America movies basically was the only ones with some type of actual meat to it. Like with a little they tried some. They tried a little bit of things of like of themes and stakes and ideas. But then they still had to like this is the end of the episode. Come back in three months for the next episode. And like, you know, Black Panther's just Black Panther. Like it doesn't like it's not a setup for Thanos at all. But it's also let you know it's like, hey, Black Panther's gonna be in the next Avenger movie. And you guys like Black Panther so much. We're gonna have a part of the movie. The Avengers is gonna be like where Black Panther lives at, and they, all his characters are gonna fight his army because you guys like Black Panther. So it's just, it feels really like it feels it's it feels like a Disney movie. Like when I go see a Disney movie, there's certain things I expect. Like I saw Christopher Robin. The reason I saw Christopher Robin is because it's the Winnie the Pooh movie with all the Pooh voices that I know from when I was a kid. That's the only reason I went to go see it. And I think that's the same reason the stuff they're doing with the Marvel movies. Like, there's certain things that, that, that you want to make you feel good, and now they're not trying that hard. But, you know, hey, I'm a hater. What do I know? <laughs> oh, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be... We can, we can, I think, oh, we I can think we, we got one more thing. Oh, one yeah, let's go. Thing. Because okay, we, we'll talk about we talked a bit at the end of the movie. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of shit we missed, but hey, we'll do a part two in uh, five more years. <laughs> <laughs> 15 year anniversary, right? <laughs> but uh, one thing when I re- when I rewatched it um, earlier this week, um, one thing I'm curious to get your opinion on, and it's one of the things at the end of the movie is the whole thing with Dent with the coin flip, and that like there's that there's the scene where um, it's it's Gordon, his family, and Batman on the roof. And they talk Dent down to at least being including them in the blame and like blame us. And he's okay. And like he flips the coin and the first person is Batman and it's on the dark side of the coin. He shoots him. Um, Everybody else actually um, does not. The coin flips on the right side. So nobody else actually would have gotten harmed. One thing I think is interesting is like is. Is the movie actually saying that, like, well, actually, you know, Batman was to blame for all of this? And, like, is that, like, a way to say, like, in that in that way, like, you know, that, that the movie is saying, like, yeah, like, I, they don't think he intended it that way. But he actually was responsible for everything that happened here. And it's like, I thought that was interesting because I've never actually seen that. For, the Dark Knight does it several times. The fact that the hero, like, the, the you know, he doesn't save the girl. She, she blows up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like he doesn't really, yeah, he wins the day, but I don't, he didn't really win the war. Um, like he beat the Joker technically, but at what cost? Like he lost so much in the process and they have to lie literally to save the, to save the, the to win the war basically. Um, and then at the end, the movie does kind of say like, you know, well, it was his fault or am I just reading too much into the fact that that's, but I did think it was interesting. The only person it flips on the dark side of the coin for is him. Everybody else kind of gets off for everything. 
at least by the the dent logic of everything. Uh, I'm not saying like the dent logic means much, but it was something that stuck out to me. And that yeah, he's the only one who gets the coin on that side. And I guess the Ron Dean character he shoots in the uh, you know whatever. But like yeah. other than that, like if, if the if the coin actually means like he's saying like okay, this this person actually was to blame for this. Yeah, like I, I yeah, like I think that is what is like I think that's the whole thing. Like back, like even Alfred's telling him like yo. You changed everything. Like the mob went with something they didn't understand because of you. Like the Joker's here because of you. Oh, there's so many great Alfred like checking his boy fucking a lot. Alfred is so is so far as like no, when he's like when he's like you know, it's like a fairy. You know, I think it's a man you don't understand either. So whatever, yeah, that's, like, like that's such a great line reading. And like when he's just like. I also like what he's telling him that story about like, and he just like, he's like, well, why was he throwing? <laughs> like he just can't fathom that somebody would do that. And like, this is a good sport because he, you know, he does the thing, but like that. And there's also, but he, but he's got his boys back too, because later on when Rachel was like, he's like, what's he doing? Yeah. Like, why is dead taking the fall? He's like, well, he went down to the conference. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like right there by his side. He's like, well, he went down there, man. I don't know what else you want the guy to do. I know. Right. Like he's that. Uh... <laughs> Like Alfred holds him down, like he burns the letter, like he's like, I'm not gonna he don't need to Like even in the end, like Rachel didn't choose him. Like he he like Bruce Wayne completely and utterly actually did make things worse. And I think within the movie even within the two movies, or even technically all three, James Gordon doesn't actually screw up. Like he's a clean cop. He didn't see that he had dirty cops, but he didn't. He wasn't dirty. Like, like he fakes his own death, hurts his family's feelings to get the Joker. To, like that, that's a, that's a very debated scene to this day. People think that that's like a like kind of doesn't make any sense. What the fact I've that kinda, he fakes I've, his death? I've, oh, I love it. Well, <laughs> I'm saying to me, it made sense in a very Fritz Lang way because the whole thing. Uh, there's a whole thing in Fritz Lang movies where um, like people pull off their mask and it's like another mask. Like that's a whole theme in his movies. Uh-huh. And I kind of thought that was an interesting thing in that, like how he, you know, he fakes his death and then he's, he's, and he's got the, uh, you know, and then he's got the, and then he's hiding in plain sight. And then like, it's kind of an interesting little weird thing in the middle of the movie. Um, but like, I actually think the whole thing, the point they were trying to make was like how good of a team uh, Batman, Dent and Gordon were yeah. like, they work without even knowing what each other were doing. Yes. They, yeah. they, they come together and their plans were – these guys were kind of like unstoppable. And it was just showing you like even when Gordon is doing a move like this, it's risky. Like he was confident like it will work. That man's going to come through. These guys, guys got gonna give like, I can rely on, like I can rely on Dent doing this. Like I can rely on Batman coming here at this time. It will all work itself out. And he was mostly right. Yeah. Um, but they just never anticipated someone like the Joker coming into it. And I always thought like that was just his way of trying to think he was trying to think like the Joker and be like, what was what's the Joker going to do? He's like, OK, well, every other crime we've had to deal with, we've gone to what he clues he gave us. And it just led to someone else getting hurt that yeah. we didn't think about. He's like, well, I'm clearly if, if they're hitting all these targets because I wasn't um because yeah, uh, I'm trying to think because you know, it was. He hit the commissioner, the mayor, the commissioner, the judge, and the judge. He hit, he, the, the mayor is he, the, the whole thing. The whole reason that they're there is, you know, the friend of his life. He's like, I have to be next. 
So, oh, and they, you know, he's put a head, he's put a hit out on Dent. He's put a hit out. Like, well, we later find Rachel as well. He doesn't know about that one yet. But he's like, who are all the figures? I'm going to have to, it's going to be me. Whatever the next thing he's planning, whatever this is to do, it's to throw off somebody coming after me and my family. So I'm going to take myself out of the game. And that way I can play the game because they don't know I'm, he doesn't know I'm in it. But little did he know the Joker even kind of just assumed like he's going to, he's going to do something. Yeah. Gordon's like a Joker gonna, plan yeah. to get caught. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. But in the end, like, so the, yeah. And I think within that, that, that three, that triad, some of it was the arrogance of Batman that caused, that caused some of this to go down. It was kind of like the, like, I have to save Rachel. Like, he was to stop the interrogation with the Joker. It's like, yo, I got to go save Rachel. You go get Dent. And then the whole thing flipped around. It was just like, even when Batman sees Dent, he kind of like, oh, crap. <laughs> he's like disappointed. Like he's disappointed. <laughs> like he's not moving as fast as he should. He's kind of like, I wanted to see my bae. Like I wanted to, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to save Rachel. She going to pick me. You know what I'm saying? We going to live happily ever after. I'm going to make Dent Batman and I'm going to go fly off and live like the wealthy playboy I'm supposed to. He's so dead all the time. Like, fuck. Like, damn. Like, it's like, yeah, it is his fault. It is his fault. He should have. Uh, well, that's why I never understood why people were so like when the next movie came out and they're like, he just stopped being Batman. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, kind of makes sense. Like that's like the because he's not a terrible person. He realized how much damage it was doing. He's like, I have to just stop. Once the Lou laws came into effect, like once- yeah, it was foolish of him to rely on the like that the laws would do what they. Like, you know, like that they wouldn't become corrupt. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, yeah, that was foolish. But think of all the things the guy just went through. Like, he just doesn't. He's like, it's not my problem anymore. I'm just a regular citizen. Like, I'm going to do what I can. He, that's why he was like, I'm going to put my money into trying to, like, to fix real world problems, things. That, and like, I'm not going to play judge, jury and executioner again. And the crazy like, to me, I'm like, it makes sense. Like, I never understood why people had such a problem with that. And the, the crazy thing is, it's like my problem with people having a problem with it. It was not only. There was a there was a there's a period of time that happens. They don't say like I don't remember them saying exact number of years, but it's like Oh what know. between the second and third movie? Yeah, like it's some eight years. years. Like eight, eight years, years, all right. They they don't even say that he like he stops instantly. So like he goes a little while and then just like Well then nah. well Gordon says on the roof when he's talking to Blake, he says that like um eight years ago this night and like says yeah. we never saw Batman again. But it doesn't necessarily mean he just he stopped, stopped yeah. acting. He might have been out there a couple more years just on very on the down low um, um, or just, or, or maybe tried to you know take a different persona or something like that. So you don't really know. Um, but yeah, still like, I don't know. It made sense to me. The they, dude um, like, okay. If they take the influences from dark Knight returns, like you start that story out, Batman stopped being Batman. He's old. He's washed. Like he's, well, people interpret it as Batman doesn't care about people. I'm like, that's not at all what it's saying. It's saying yeah. that he cared too much. Cause he's like, I, if this is what started because of me, I have to stop doing this because only bad things happened. And I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to hurt anybody. And like, I'm like, that's like, cause he has compassion. It's not cause he doesn't care. Yeah. So I don't know. People see what they want to see, I guess. But I'm just saying like, I never understood like the takeaway of that. And it's just the people, Oh, Batman, we just never saw you Batman. I'm like, well, within this story, he was never planning to be Batman forever. He honestly foolishly thought he'd get everything under control in like a year and a half. <laughs> Yeah, like he knows, unlike <laughs> everything else. Yeah, so like people don't understand. But but I'm like, I'm like, oh, the, the, there's no version. Of the, yes, there is. Go back and read like the first 
couple years of like Legends of the Dark Knight with all the early or read year one or read uh, Matt Wagner's Dark Moon Rising things. Anything that's set in the early is a Batman. Batman has a hubris like no other. He really thinks that like, he's going to go out there and this shit's going to be taken care of. Yep. No problem. He's yeah. never planning to be Batman forever in any version of this story. Yep. So I don't know what people are talking about when they say that. Even when you take the car, like this, ba- <laughs> like to me, what I liked about Dark Knight Rises is the fact that it showed the ending. And I'm like, this and and Batman Beyond is the only time you get an ending from Bruce Wayne to me. Because everything else, he has to get younger. He has to go back. The universe restarts over again. He's magically 27 again. Like, it, it always happens, but like, no, he was never supposed, like, he's a human being. That's the thing. He's a human being. Even in the DC universe, there's no Batman in the Legion of Superheroes. There's a point at which it's, it's over. It's done. But yeah, people seem to forget that when they want well, to people play. look at stuff like you know, in Kingdom Come and stuff. I don't stuff where like Batman basically becomes like a fascist. He just takes over everything. And I'm like, I kind of, I don't. I don't know. I don't like that interpret. I don't. To me, I, I like. I kind of like the overtones. And well, Dark Knight Returns is my favorite comic. So like, obviously, I like the little overtones in that of like, oh, he just like, can't let it go and shit. But even in that story, like you mentioned, like he retired, like he went away. Yeah. It's like he had to be brought back out into the light again. Like to be like, I have to. Shit got so bad that now I have to come back. Um, but like, I I, I kind of like. And I like it in Batman Beyond. I kind of like I kind of like the way they played with it there. Um, and I like that he has Terry and Terry. I think gives him like some humanity again. I think it become like that's an interesting story. It's a great like father son kind of story. Like I I really like Batman Beyond a lot. Um, but I'm saying like I kind of like it. this version like doesn't let him become that. Yeah. Like he just doesn't become some like fascist telling everybody what to do, surveilling everybody. I like that he knows like I gotta let go. Like I, it's just not right. Even in Kingdom Come that's not the right thing to like yeah it's I mean not, presented it's like, in that story as Batman has gone off the rails he's gone too it's far presented as like, yeah. yeah Superman left and like things got bad and they had to come back together and it took the death of Captain Marvel to get their head right like oh oh damn we we've really been messing up in our old age let's let's get this let's teach the youth and also that book is more about the nineties and comic book and superhero comics and is about any actual thing about the characters, but you know, people probably missed that too. Like that oh. book is very much about nineties superhero comics and image. Well that's why that that's why that book doesn't hold up that well for me because you know Robert Liefeld is fire, right? Hey you know what? I I I'm an image guy. I me like too. the story. I, like, I, don't, I don't agree with what this book is saying. I like the story because I like it was the only time I saw a comic book talking meta about the industry like that is well, it's like, like they're not the wrong characters. i guess I th- it's, like, it's like anything just stuff goes too far but like i don't yeah. think that like the initial image boom was bad or like no. you know those x-force comics are still cool fire. like don't and, worry it's fire you know, spawn is fucking cool like fire. fucking uh, like, i don't give a fuck what anybody says but i'm like fire. yeah it's the shit that comes out and i guess that's more like you know, to bring us back around, like, I guess that's more like with the Dark Knights, like, legacy. Like, you we were, I, I, oddly enough, we had, you know, I saw you arguing with Rob. <laughs> I told him about this on Twitter. Uh, but, like, the idea that it had no, in, it was just an anomaly. Um, I think that might be true among superheroes. I think as a movie, though, it was pretty damn influential. Yep. Like, I do think it, it did turn the tide a bit. Like, I'm, like, as I'm saying, like, I'm hard to point to actual comic book movies that, like, 
Well, I guess like the fact that Watchmen was made the next year was kind of like I think the fact that this existed and the hype on it was so big was a reason that that got greenlit. Yeah. Um, but like that movie, I never seen it before, so I don't know. But I'm saying like I'm just saying that like I don't think it's like it's like The Dark Knight. Like I don't no, think it's it's, it's, it's you far know from it. My yeah. Um, but like it. that was something. I guess like I'm trying to think of like. I mean, I guess – I mean if you want to say I guess Man of Steel and Batman Superman are like – you know, they are influenced by it. But Nolan is involved in those movies too. So it's like of course there's going to be a little bit. But I don't even think those movies are really like his stuff. No, like, the I Snyder think, movies. Know, if you watch Zack Snyder movies – I think maybe like maybe would. Man of Steel is a little bit more because it definitely like – it owes a little bit more visually – I think to Nolan than it does yeah. to what Snyder usually does. But like, I'm just saying, but even so, like that's two examples. I'm like, so what are all these movies everyone's talking about when they're like, Oh, it was unbearable. The, the grim dark revolution of what are people talking? What are these movies that were so unwatchable that were, that were these, these dark Knight copycat. I, I still always ask, nobody ever points me to anything. Yeah, because I've seen don't... more Marvel studios copycats than I've seen. Um, wow. I mean, there was a lot of movies influenced by Batman Begins, but Batman Begins wasn't really like a dark movie, really. Like, it was pretty, like, you know, it was a straight-ahead superhero movie. Yeah. Like, so I don't really, I, I still don't know. If people say we have all these, like, realistic, dark superhero movies. I'm like, well, what are they? Can anybody tell me? <laughs> like, I still don't know. Like, I'm, I, I can look through all the years, and I'm like, yeah, there was some influence by Batman Begins, and, like, there was maybe, you saw maybe uh, they took a chance on some darker comic book properties, because of the Dark Knight, but like, what are these movies that are like the Dark Knight? Yeah, I said there's that, none. you could point to things like technique, like more to craft and shit. I think that came back a little bit into mainstream movies. Like, I don't think you would have had, I don't think Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol would have been shot on IMAX and done nope. and done and, and greenlit to have this huge, big like we're going to do everything practical and Tom Cruise is going to do his own like we're going to let him do these. So I think that doesn't happen without the truck flip. Yeah. And people being like, how the fuck do we try to top that? But that's craft. That's not like that's not them making a movie like The Dark Knight. I mean, I guess Skyfall, I said, is very clearly like The Dark Knight. But don't people like that movie, though? It's, it's one of the top. It's my top three. It's in my top three of James Bond movies. But yes, it did very I mean, like, well. Consensus was the, yeah. the culture you know, at large loved that movie. They, yeah. they were disappointed the next one wasn't like it. Yeah. So I'm like, OK, if you like that. Like so that that was an influence of the Dark Knight. So clearly you're not bothered by that. I think the newest Mission Impossible is the most one that's felt Dark Knight-ish, but people love that. Yeah, um, it's, so, it's amazing. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, so what are all these things? Like, I mean, obviously, I think the fact that people started shooting on IMAX, that was a reaction. I think the fact you started seeing more directors like go and sort of shoot on film and try to do things practically was a reaction to the Dark Knight. But what is more Hans Zimmer? What? Maybe? Yeah, the fact that everyone ripped the whole fucking sport off and everything. Yeah, that was a you know everyone wanted the and that really kicked in with Inception. Everyone wanted their bomb, you know, the bomb. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying, like, so what are these movies that people are talking about? Maybe Especially superhero movies. The that girl were, with the dragon tattoo. But that's a movie, though. That's not exactly. A There's no superhero movie that, that looks or feel anything like it. Like the only thing I think you can feel it from it is specifically within big budget cinema. When they give filmmakers like money, like go make a movie. I guess I remember. I guess I think people said like the um, what was the fucking the Spider Man movie that came out? They said like that was like the a amazing Nol- Spider Man. They said that was like a Nolanized version. I'm like it was. It wasn't. <laughs> 
<laughs> didn't feel that way to me. Other than the fact Spider-Man didn't didn't find the person who killed Uncle Ben is the only Batman-like thing in that movie. And even in these series of Batman movies, he caught the guy. I know. I like that. <laughs> As he did in the initial Bill Finger yes. fucking story. So it's actually more true to the source. Um, but uh, uh, but uh, I was going to say, but I'm like, yeah, I keep racking my brain. I'm like, I don't. It seems like just it's, a, it's like an easy target. It's an easy thing to put blame on and stuff. And I'm like, no, nah, you're just lazy. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. They didn't make even I'm trying to think like, what's like a fucking like dark R rated or something. I mean, the one I can think of is one I actually really like. And it's not it came out the same year as a, as a Dark Knight. I don't think it was influenced it was Punisher Warzone, uh, which I'm a huge movie. But that's like a fucking like a B fucking uh, grindhouse fucking movie. Like, yes. it's not really it's not really. um doesn't really i don't think it shares much influence with any of the nolan stuff and it came out at the same time so i don't really see that but i'm like what else man I'm like that wolverine movie <laughs> was that like influenced by it the uh i mean i guess the logan i mean i guess the fact that he like you mentioned earlier like it's a little bit more of like a, a straight face serious version of a superhero movie that's trying to do something a little different i guess that's an influence i guess but, like, but i mostly see but, that as them trying to Fox was just trying to find a lane within using these properties because they couldn't compete with Marvel with making a PG movie. So they was like, screw it. And actually Deadpool has more, <laughs> the, the Wolverine and Deadpool has more of a factor on Logan. Than well, even I think Dark you're Knight right though. though in saying like, I could see though, I'm sure James Mangold like saw yeah, the Dark yeah, Knight yeah. and was like, I want a movie to give me that feeling yeah. at the end. Yeah. He, yeah. He, so, yeah, yeah. but like, on a, on a scene to scene basis though. And like, I think I'm, I'm like, it doesn't share a visual look. It doesn't, you know, I mean, I guess the fact that maybe people tried to make superhero movies more like, you know, maybe aim a little higher, but that's not true. I mean, because like the, the Marvel shit happened fairly quick after that. And that, and uh, the Marvel, at least I feel like they got more and more assembly line as they went on. Like maybe you can see something like that. Captain America, the first one, that was like a decent movie. I think like, you know, that had like some themes and like, you know, oh, yeah, to, like, yeah, yeah. you know, but like even that movie, I kind of lost interest once he was in the costume and shit in the second half. But like the beginning, even again, the beginning of that feels more like Batman begins though, than it does the dark Knight. Um, so it's like, I don't really know what people are talking about when they're like, we were hit with a glutton of dark superhero movies. I guess I like, would suicide squad. But that's nothing to fucking do with the dark Knight, Other than it's made by Warner brothers. Like, that's it. it. No, that's it. Yeah, that's I don't all get they're saying. It. It's made by yeah. Warner Brothers, and they make. And I still think the, the main thing of it is, is that Warner Brothers still cares about the director of the movie. Well, not so much anymore. As a seller, yes, they, they, they didn't took enough. No, but I'm just saying, I think they've <laughs> taken enough financial hits that they're like, screw it. Like all people care about is the franchise. It's just that's all that matters. The franchise. Disney has made it thought that the franchise is what matters most. So I'm like, okay. Bling suit with that pretty much. Yeah, that's what we're going for. Like content and franchise. And we get these nice two and a half months of Oscar bait. Is that a reaction to the Dark Knight? Yeah, like, yeah, even though Comcast basically says, like, yo, we need to get some of this Marvel DC money, this Marvel money, this Marvel Cinematic Universe money. So let's make a monster universe. I still think they can make that shit work. I give that to me. I'll make it work. If they trying too hard, it would like your star, your universe shouldn't be Tom Cruise 
Like as a but see, I guy. Their, like, like they, they did a movie before that, that Dracula the, the Dracula, Untold. and it was actually which, pretty all right. It's not a terrible Yeah, I movie. said it wasn't good, but it was watchable. It was more watchable than I thought it'd be. And they're already like, we're going to throw that one away. I'm like, no, you set it up. You just need to make a Dracula movie now or to the modern day. Like, why would you throw that away? Like, you just uh, have Dracula pop up in the Mummy movie. Like, that's all they had to do. Like, he's around. He's around. Like, yeah, but that's a whole, yeah, they messed up. <laughs> Right. But see, like we've talked for what, just twenty minutes on this subject, and I haven't, I haven't really caught of one example of another superhero movie that's anything like even a poor version of it. Like it's like oh they try but they fail. No, I don't really see what anybody's talking about. I mean, I guess it's Batman versus Superman, but I think it's a decent movie. But I think it's very different. Like I don't think that they're, I don't think Zack Snyder and Chris Nolan are similar filmmakers. Um, so I don't really. Um, I guess that one I guess that's a pretty ambitious movie though like what they tried to do but like that's it one example <laughs> and it was only from like two years ago like so what are people talking about oh we needed these bright and happy superheroes to save us we did I'm like what were we saving us from like I don't know what people are talking about when they say like we had this glut of dark gritty superhero movies like we did <laughs> especially when Nolan's movies is three years long over like not even 10 years, like eight years. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's not the point that I just think geek criticism just wants to just talk to hear itself talk. And I've seen it. It's just like, you guys don't even watch any of the movies that come out in a year if it doesn't have a franchise connected to it. So it's like, or like one of the people that was in, like one of the superhero movies yeah. next. So they can be like, oh, look, it's Iron Man, like in the old West. You know, it's like, nope, it's an actor that's in a movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't give me this. It's like, it's now nah, I call Chris Helmsworth Thor because I just think it's funny and I don't feel like saying his whole name. You don't but call like, him Ghost Man? No. Because <laughs> no. that's what when I call him. I don't know. But like, <laughs> when he was in that, that dope ass movie about indie racers, about like old car racers. Oh, Rush? I love that movie. Yeah, Almost brought me to tears. I was like, God damn it, Ron Howard, and you making these movies like Cinderella Man that just taps into like male feelings of like competition. But I was like, it's not a Thor movie. And now people might call it, ooh, it's the Thor versus Baron Zemo movie. Like, no. It's about <laughs> real people. They drove cars. They were great at it. But yeah, everything's got to connect to some type of IP and it makes me very cynical. But maybe... The youth will move past this and they'll be on some other type of stuff. Like when Generation Z or whatever get older, they'll be like, oh, you I, guys I are am trash. curious. I am curious, like, when the next generation of filmmakers comes up. Cause I'm like, this had to be like the movie for like a lot of young kids, like even younger than us. Like, this had to be like their jaws or, I mean, fuck it. It's kind of my fucking jaw, you know, for this period of time. Like, I don't know of a movie I've watched more than this one in the last, you know, 10 years. I want to know, like, like how much is this? How much does let's say Dark Knight and then let's say things like Breaking Bad and like you know TV is different. It's not the scale, but how much? Yeah, you're is right those, about that. I didn't even think about TV stories. shows, but like, but like I do, I did. You do notice like there is a rap. Like people, people love people would kill to have the pacing that Nolan I think does. And even show like his like I like I'm a I was a big fan of um. Person of Interest, which Jonah Nolan created, yeah. and he's also behind Westworld. Yeah, and I, I like Westworld, Westworld, but you could tell like 
there's times where I'm like, yeah, if Chris had fucking done this shit, this would have been like a fucking all timer. <laughs> like, 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 but I'm like, and especially this season of Westworld, I thought was like all over the place. But, um, but it's like, yeah, it's like people also assume, oh, cause his brother, like they're the same. I'm like, no, nah, they, they're actually kind of different in how they approach things. They even have different accents. Like clearly yeah. one spent more <laughs> well, time true. in England than the other one. Like, I'm like y'all brothers, like the what? one is clearly British and you're clearly <laughs> American. Like this was time difference between you two for real. Like, but like, yeah, like it, I still think like the next generation is going to be a mix of some films like this, especially since they can go back. It, they, they got the young kids and the younger people have something that even we didn't have, or the people who fake films, like we could watch videotapes over and over again. Then we can watch DVDs over and over again. But they have streaming, so they can just like they can stream so much stuff at the same time. They can like cross. Or you know, they have the YouTube, which is like I just want to see this yeah. one scene from this movie over and over again. It's like oh, you can probably find it and just yeah. watch that over and over. Watch again. it over and over, and literally break it down. And then you know they can watch people break down scenes. Even if the breakdown is good or bad, like some people know what they're talking about, some people well, don't. Something I've been encouraged by is, you know, I'm I'm big I'm big in, you know, uh, if you have any New York listeners that frequent the uh, rep houses in New York, I'm a bit of a fixture at a lot of things. I, I go to the there's a there's a theater I love called the Metrograph. Yeah, it's in, they like, Chinatown. Some, they get some good films and, out there. Yeah, you gotta time. come one day. You gotta come up, man. I'll take you over there. I'm a member. You'll have a great time. Uh, but. Uh, they uh they they're big thirty five millimeter theater and like a lot of their base at cons are pretty young like these are kids like in like eighteen years eighteen or younger or like you know like in college and like they're coming out to see stuff on film and they're coming out to see like movies that you don't usually get to see they're coming and watching all kinds of stuff and it's a very respectful audience like most of the time they're not. Because I, I mean, there's some places around here like where the audience is just obnoxious. Like they just go to laugh at old movies. We go like, oh, stupid. Look at the clothes he's wearing. Like, and like, I have no time for that shit. Yeah. Um, um. And I'm like, but it's a very. And I'm like, that's given me some like hope. It's like, okay, well, maybe like this next generation is not going to be the train wreck. I think it's going to be. And like, oh, well, maybe like they will demand quality again. Like maybe people will. So it's like, I don't know. Like I'm trying not to be like the old man and just be like, oh, everybody sucks now. And but I'm just like. You know, I don't get encouraged by a lot out there right now, but like I have a little bit of hope that like oh, maybe this next generation is going to like do something really interesting. So we'll see. Yeah, man. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up right there. I think this is. Been- All right, man. This was fun. It was a good talk. It was fun <laughs> to talk. I'm going to split it in a half, though, because we had three and a half hours. I'm going to split it in like two episodes because it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's a podcast. <laughs> it doesn't really. You're going to yeah. play the fucking end score. At the end of this, like I'm as gonna, fucking, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna get some, I'm gonna get some dark night, <laughs> some dark night music in here. You gotta put, uh, what you got? What's the fucking, uh, you gotta throw, uh, what is it? Because I know you, you throw the fucking, you throw the shit, like the, you, you do the uh, nice, uh, uh, music and stuff, and yeah, dividers, not dividers, yeah. whatever. Yeah, my but you gotta drops, put like, yeah. what are songs that are reference? Oh, you got like so appalled. That reference yeah. is dark night. Yep, yep. Every <laughs> Batman reference. <laughs> <laughs> Every Batman and Joker reference I can find. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks for spending this uh, afternoon with me on the phone. I'm glad we were able to finally do this because yeah, I know man. we've been trying to do a show. I know like the last time I had, uh, you know, death in the family yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah. That's why I couldn't do anything. But like, I know we've been trying to do this one for the whole summer, I think. Yeah. So I'm glad we finally got to do it. But I was like, all right, I watched this movie twice on IMAX. I'm like, <laughs> I'm never going to, it's never not going to be fresh so in my fresh brain. fresh in your brain right now. <laughs> 
and I was like, actually had nothing to do today. And it's, uh, so I was like, okay, this will work out. But yeah, man, we gotta do it another time. We gotta, we gotta do year end shit. Like yeah, we used maybe, to do. maybe early, you know, early twenty nineteen. Hold on, I don't think you're gonna get a very positive thing out of me this year. Um, like, like five movies I've liked this year. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the uh, these last four months. Uh, I hopefully they, there's gonna be a lot of interesting things coming out. Like I'm looking forward to Widows. I'm looking forward to First Man. Uh, I'm looking. For, I see the movie White Boy Rick uh, tomorrow. A screening to come. Oh, yeah, early. Predator, Predator, Predator. I want to see out. Predators. Uh, um, I'm trying to think. There's another one this month that I was like vaguely interested. I'm in. a Mary Poppins fan, so I want to see Mary Poppins. <laughs> hey, I saw. I saw fucking um Christopher Robin. I like that movie. It's good. I liked it. I, <laughs> like does it give me this this type of nostalgia? I'm here for like yeah. No, I'm like, like that was like a Jurassic Park moment. I'm like he's real. Like Winnie yeah. the Pooh is real. He's like, walking it's, around. It's like a really stuffed animal walking around London. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. It's, like... it's funny. I got to go to um the Alex Ross Perry who wrote the script for that movie. Um, he's a New York director. I'm a big fan of his, and uh, he did um the Metrograph did a members only screening that he hosted where he mm. showed um uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And this old Winnie the Pooh story, like he did it as like a double feature. Cause he said like funny. when he was writing the movie, they used to let him come in the Metrograph and just show whatever he wanted to show to himself, like in the early part of the day, cause he's friendly with the staff. And he, for, for like a week for some reason, yeah, I think he had found one of the guys that owned the Metrograph had found this old, um, I guess it's the, it's the one that it's the one Winnie the Pooh short that wasn't, it was like made in between like the, the rights getting reversed. So like the people that regularly did the voices didn't do the voices in it. Mm. It's, it I can't remember what the, Oh, it's like a day for Eeyore. That's what it was called. Um, and it's always, it's, it's, it's always this is like the worst, like Winnie the Pooh really thing. But like one of the owner of the Metrograph found a print of it and he's like, Hey man, I know you're right. Winnie the Pooh, you guys want to watch it. They watched it. And it was like, not very good. It's but terrible. then they were watching that. And they're watching Texas Chainsaw. And so they did a, for like the members who wanted to come. And he came and like did a talk. And afterwards, I told him, I was like, oh, man, I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed Christopher Robin or whatever. He's like, oh, really? You went to see it? I'm like, yeah, I actually thought it was pretty good. Um, that was a surprise. I had no expectation of that. I'm like, that actually wound up being one of the better movies I saw this year. <laughs> I'm like, that's I'm like that. I, enjoy, I, I liked Upgrade a lot. Did you check that out? No, I, haven't, I, wanted, I missed it. You'll so, love it, man. You'll love it. You'll uh, love it. It's great. Yeah, I, I plan to watch that. I still there's still some movies that came out that I didn't get to go to screenings to that I plan to watch in the fall. And what upgrades one of them? There's a there's a list. Like there's a list I gotta go through. With I that. really like, upgrade and Hereditary. I think were the only movies. I got oh, Hereditary. Like, yeah, I, I like really Isle of Dogs. I'll, I'll yeah, I love that movie. I love that movie. Um, but um, like, I don't know, man. It was a pretty. I don't know. I did. I think this has been a pretty shitty year so far. I haven't been that impressed. So this has been. A, this hasn't. I was more interested. What was and that? I was seeing. I saw more movies. And I, you know me. I see shit. I see probably more than most people. But like, since like the having the movie pass and stuff, I was just going to see anything. Yeah. Um. Now I don't have that anymore. <laughs> so like, I'm not upgrading. I'm not. I'm not updating it again. But uh. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There were some movies that, like I kind of, I know you, I don't think you liked it, but I kind of dug that Den of Thieves. I thought that was like, it I know it's like great, but it was discount Michael Mann, but like it was yeah. still like not that bad. It was better than I thought it would be. Um, I don't think, was there anything else I really, I, really I mean, it was stuff I kind of liked. Like I kind of liked Tully and Game Night and stuff, but I don't know if I'd really go. Oh, I, I liked Red Sparrow. I thought that was better than people. Yeah, I didn't see that. Um, uh, Quiet Place was all right. 
Um, so yeah, I missed that too. Like I have to. And the first, the first ten minutes of the new Jurassic Park movie is great. Yes, yes, you. Yes, <laughs> Rest I of it, like you care less about, but the first ten minutes that should have just been the whole movie. I would have given it a ten out of ten. I like that yeah. was great. <laughs> um, I like the. Uh, Sorry to bother you was really good. There's been a lot of good black movies, so it's good to see them. I didn't see that movie because it's very oppressive um, uh, ad campaign that told me I was a bad person if I didn't go see it. Oh no! no. (laughs) It's a good movie. Blind Spotting is is a pretty good movie too from uh, Devine Diggs, who's in Hamilton. Uh, Have a very um, hot take on Blind Spotting. Oh, I, I enjoyed it a lot, but also like Bay no, Area I stuff. didn't think I, I think that's a case of a movie where like they were make like they thought they were making do the right thing, but they were actually making clerks and like nobody told them. <laughs> oh, I didn't even get do the right thing. I just thought I just to me it's just like Well, I just more mean like, like they actually had a pretty good like like they were actually really good like comedy t- like you know like, I thought they were yeah. like really good together. Yes. I just thought I just thought some of the choices they made in there were a little ill informed, yeah. but I get why people responded to it though. Uh, Black Clansman uh, was was pretty good. Um, how'd you like the Meg? <laughs> I, that's another movie I didn't get a chance to go see the theaters. Now I got this AMC A list. So sometimes now when I ain't got nothing to do, I'll just go to the theater and just check a movie. But it, it moved out of the theater before I had a chance to go catch it because I was gonna see the IMAX because A list you can see any movie three three movies a week don't matter the, the like the screen type. So I was like. And then they moved to something else, so I was like, oh, "Okay, so I'll go see that later." Like, I'll see what it, I'll see what it comes out on. It's not a good movie, but like, I like Jason Statham, and he's fighting a shark. I'm like, I ah, want, that's yeah, I want to see the Meg, and I plan to watch uh, the Building movie, Rock versus the Building. Like, yeah, that was out of theaters really fast. I, I usually go see whatever yeah. dumb. I, I saw that other one. The I fucking... saw Rampage. Yeah, hey, fuck it, delivered on what it promised. There was rampaging. I watched it. I watched it in the house, and I'm like, "This is a great TV movie. Like, this is great." <laughs> We're like, "I got some. I had oh, some pizza." I, I know a movie. I, I, I you saw. I actually, I, I enjoyed that Teen Titans Go movie. Quite it was bit. hilarious. I took, I took my niece to see it. We had a really good time with that. It poked fun uh, and everything. I loved it. I think it's like Mission Impossible. I liked a lot. Like we mentioned. Yeah, he tried to kill. I think himself. Mile Mile Twenty Two was a, was more interesting than I think people. Mile twenty two is weird because it's like they wanted to like it's like I feel like they saw the raid, like um it feels like Marky Mark and um uh what's his name the director Peter Berg Peter Berg like they saw the raid and they were just talking like yo we gotta go do a movie with this guy in the raid <laughs> and it's basically that's what the movie feels like it's not great. But it's also entertaining. Like I'm Listen, like, said, it's watch. That's where I'm at now at most movies. I'm like, was it watchable? All right. Like that's like same thing. Like that new Death Wish and shit. Like it's not a good movie, but uh, pretty watchable. Like you know, like most. That's where that's where I'm at with like most things now. Like I'm not expecting anything to like blow me away anymore. Yeah. But I'm like, all right, that was like watchable. So all right, fair enough. That Peppermint movie is kind of not watchable. <laughs> Well, I wasn't even gonna venture. No, don't even. Like, <laughs> real talk, it's really, literally, like it's a white lady killing Mexicans for like eighty minutes, and I'm like, y'all put this movie out. You need a better director for me to watch. <laughs> you we put this out with like Trump is talking like, about John people Woo being. It'd still be like, all right, let's fucking let's, let's see the slaughter. Yo, if it was Jawu, if it could be racist as hell, I'm like, <laughs> yo, this is gonna be fire though. Like, that's gonna like she's gonna be doing all types of stuff. There's gonna be pigeons and doves and all be and hawks and every type of thing gonna be coming out. But you know, it's nah. I have high, I have hopes that white boy Rick is gonna get me a good performance tomorrow. Like, at least I'll see some 
some chewing we'll up the scenery. Bak- last thing, like McConaughey, I'll I'll pretty much just watch it. Like yeah, either, man, he gonna be chewing up the fucking, scenery. What was that fucking movie? Uh, the one the 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 sleeve one or whatever. What was that called? Oh, like, you mean the one where like he went to the the town, the Free State of oh, Jones? Yeah, Free State of Jones. <laughs> but that movie is not good. But it's only good because of his reading of the title within the movie. Yeah, man. And he's like, I think we gotta start like a Free State of. Jones. I was like, that's it. That's like one of the best. I'm like, that's why you pay that guy the big bucks. Like, I was like, right away, I turn, I'm like, this looks dumb. I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I kind of got to give it a shot now. Yeah, man. Like, I'm going to say that myself, man. I know a little bit about the story, too. So, like, about the real person. So, I'm like, you give me a, a like a drug story, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm already invested 65%. Well, I've heard, like, the, I think the real life, too. I've heard him on Rogan's podcast before. Like, yeah. he seems like an interesting guy. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, that, that, and he's got another one, like, with Anne Hathaway. That, 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 that the trailer wasn't good, but it might be a good movie. It's called, like, Serenity or something like that. Yeah, I heard about that. That, that doesn't, like, unless I hear a lot of, a lot of good stuff from my people, the people I know who went to. Oh, no, it's a mild, it's a mild interstellar reunion. So, I'll, like, I don't know. Maybe I'll give it my time. We'll see. But all right, man. Hope you have a good rest of your afternoon. I'll let you I will go. Try. I have to go to the bathroom very bad. Okay. <laughs> all right, man. I drank like a whole bottle of tea and a whole thing of water inside. Like, I think I hit my mom here. All right, man. Usher ran in the fall confession Farrah let me come through and hit when I was alone and stressed Yeah, that's when this music shit wasn't moving, man I said I might as well be moving things uh. Joey let himself, but I still put out my fucking debut record For the record, when I move around with these hoes, it's off the record For the record, for this social media shit, I was living reckless And these rap niggas share the same hoes Gotta curb bitches, gotta cut bitches, gotta change hoes I was reminiscing in the rain, bro, me and my little brother share the same clothes, nigga Yeah that's when this music shit wasn't moving, man. I said I might as well be moving things. That's when this music wasn't moving, man.